All right, we're live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Vinny Shorman. How are you, buddy? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. Um, pull that mic up. Right up. Get it right up there. there okay. We, go. Um, we just did a hypnosis, a hypno session. How, how would you call it? Hypnotic no, session? Just say it's a session. Hypnosis. Really. Yeah. Uh, just a stuff, session. Stuff. Mental mind training, stuff. mind stuff. Yeah. Um, Vinny is the man that uh, Joe Schilling uh, had experienced uh, some fantastic results doing this with you uh joe Schilling, who's the uh world champion kickboxer and bellator fighter guy who's been in here before um and he told me about you and you and i went back and forth uh on yeah. twitter and email and then we finally got together today and did a hypnosis session and uh i'm here to tell you hypnosis is real it does you definitely go under there's something happens you go to some weird dream state la la land how long was I under for? Um, four and a half days. <laughs> no, you were um, hungry. To be honest, about I'd say twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Maybe twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Yeah, I kind of get lost in it too. You know. It seems like it. it seemed like five. No, it was longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, it was longer than that. It was like I remember the beginning part, and then all of a sudden it was over. I was yeah. like, whoa! And there was some weird um, dream state stuff going on in the middle. Where you were talking about some things, but I was thinking about other shit. But I was, but when I was thinking about shit, I was like, "Wow, I'm in a weird state of mind right now." <laughs> while I'm thinking about these other things, like I better get back to on track about what Vinny's talking about. Well, you know, I think it's funny because it's I've done it. Everything that I do with my clients and you've experienced, I've experienced, and you put it right. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, well, it's weird because it's it works. Definitely works. Well, there's different states that the brain operates in we all know that there's states when you're stressed out there's states when you're super happy there's states when you're very focused there's states when you're in danger there's states when you're in love and we all know that these are weird places that your brain can go to weird frequencies or weird vibrations or whatever you would call it but to be able to uh, manipulate it like that to be able to put someone into a state like that or help them assist them getting into a state like that. That's a very uh, very unique skill. Yeah, I mean, all, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis anyway. So you do it. I just guide you into it, you know, and you know, give you ways of just going into... Hypnosis is a natural state. Like we said, we said we were talking earlier, like, you know, you're driving, and all of a sudden you end up there and you think, shit, how did I get there? I don't do that because I'm rubbish at driving. But, you know, other things where you just... It just seems... Televisions, hypnosis, music, hypnosis, they're all different states, and we're all in uh, different states all the time. So, um, um, like a movie that just captures you, and you yeah. don't even realize you're watching it. You're just co totally captivated. You're inside. Yeah. You're completely ab absorbed in the film. That's almost like a hypnotic state. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, clapping for Superman, for instance. We know Superman doesn't ex exist, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to break anyone's hearts out there that love Superman, but, you know... It's just a part and parcel of using your imagination to get you to a place where you want to change. So, but, but that state that you achieve when, you're, when you hypnotize someone, when you put someone in this really relaxed place and you have them focus on very specific things and you get them to this weird state where your mind is drifts off into that dreamland, that's very different than a movie or very different than driving home in your car. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it is. They're all, they're all imaginative processes anyway, you know? They're all imaginative processes. But with hypnosis, you're focusing on a specific problem. 
normally. You know, you, you focus on a specific problem. So it's the lead into it. It depends. It depends how the client is. Um, I don't always use hypnosis. I am a mind coach. I don't class myself as a hypnotist, although hypnotherapy is part and parcel of what I do. I class myself as a mind coach because there's different facets to it. There's different ways of leading people into various things and considerations about what they say, especially using language. Um, when it's out of out of sync sort of thing, doesn't make sense. Mm. And then you might you know have to make sense of it. And then unconsciously, your, your unconscious mind deciphers it and gets you the best results, really. Well, it's it's fascinating to me because for the longest time, mind coaches were sort of unheard of in combat sports. It was almost like it was a uh, a scarlet letter or a, you know a, a mark against you because you were so weak that you needed someone to figure out how to hypnotize you or how to talk you into being strong. You needed a co you should just be a fucking man and get out there and do it. Right, like that was the attitude yeah. that a lot of people yeah. had. Yeah, in England they say don't be so fucking soft. Go ahead, yeah. be alright. Don't be so fucking. They say that soft. in America yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, but they don't say it with that same. Yeah, sort I would of say it with the same cockney same tone. I don't know why I did a cockney <laughs> tone there from the north. Yeah, I mean it, it was. Uh, yeah, it's all macho. You know, don't you know, get on with it. Blah blah blah. I've seen more people who are very very skilled get beat by their own self. Mm -hmm. You've seen that, you know, yes. their own minds, and then it's it can be a very. It can be very hard for people. Well, the reason why I was going to bring that up, because I think that fighting in particular is probably the most difficult of all chosen endeavors outside of being a soldier. It's the most difficult of all chosen uh, chosen endeavors as far as chosen goals that you're trying to accomplish. What you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to use your body use your bones and your muscle to defeat other people who are also using their bones and muscle and the, the techniques are all readily available there's no secrets anymore I mean there's a few secrets if you have really good coaches you can get some tips but essentially everybody knows how to punch everybody knows how to kick and you're just trying to figure out how to maximize your possibilities, maximize your potential for victory, and how to not get in your own way, not how, how to not trip over your own fears and anxiety. And that's where this mind coach thing comes into play. And that's where I think it's applicable not just for fighting, but also for just life in general. Because I think that for a lot of people, their success or failure a big part of it is predicated on how they view life and how they view themselves and how they approach each each thing each obstacle each uh, each goal each endeavor that they they they're attempting to uh, to solve or to to give their own expression to and I think that if if it works on fighting it'll probably work on anything and if you can get someone to a better place mentally where they can become a more effective fighter and stay out of their own way in terms of their anxiety and their fears, like the reality of fighting is you're probably going to get hurt at some point in time. It's yeah. just, uh, just part of what you're doing. You're in the hurt business. This is the hurt game. And somewhere along the line, you're going to get hit and you're, you're hopefully going to hit the other person more than they're going to hit you. But... Bad things happen to great fighters. Yeah. We've all seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of everything. You know, if I can make... It's not just about fighters. I mean, I do work 
with fighters because I come from a Muay Thai background. I've been involved in it a long time, 30 years now. And um, it's, you have to, it's, fighting's hard, as you know, of course. But fighting yourself as well as an opponent, as yes. well as trying to listen to your corner, as well as hearing people scream your name or other people screaming for them, other person to kick your ass, it's difficult. You have to, you have to kind of go within you mm -hmm. know, and and control everything that you do and, and try and impose what you've got to do on the other person. Yeah, doubts and fear, um, they're extra weights that you carry into yeah. the ring. Yeah. Or yeah. into the cage. They're the, and in life, I mean, in, and again, it's analogous to life. Doubts and fears on top of the reality of the difficulty of what are you trying to do, yeah. whatever you're trying to do. Those doubts and fears, they're like, it's like a heavy weight vest that you're carrying on top of the burden of whatever you're trying to accomplish in the first place. And for fighters, it can be just smothering. It can, it, it, I mean, we've, we've had many instances of guys backstage that either didn't fight or almost didn't fight because they were having anxiety attacks, because they were freaking out, because the moment was finally there. Yeah. And their mind was just running away from them. Yeah. Just run, your, their mind was trying to figure out a way out of this. Like, yeah. we can figure out a way out of this. All we have to do is just go crazy here, and the doctor will come over. And, you know, how about you have a few heart palpitations and fall down, you can't breathe, and then the doctor's going to rescue you. Yeah, or you're and ill. No more fighting. Yeah, you're ill. I had to help yeah. the doctor find something wrong with me because I'm ill. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's considered that. I mean, I, yeah. I did the same. I thought, you know, if he sees that I'm ill, mm -hmm. I've got a cough. <laughs> I'm ill. And then mm -hmm. I don't have to go in there. But, you know, it's, it's about controlling that. Fights are won and lost in the changing rooms. Sometimes, that, a lot of the time, you know. But you could be the most confident. You can be the most confident motherfucker on earth. But if you're fighting Anderson Silva in his prime and you're not that good, yep. you're probably still going to get lit up. Yep. And that's that's a problem. I mean, you well, can, getting yourself lit up as bad as you could as you would if you didn't do anything about it. Mm. You know. Maybe. You know, there's only so much. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, not everyone's going to be a champion. Right. That's fact. That is a fact. You know, it's, it's, you know, they don't throw these belts around, do they? The UFC and the WBC boxing, they don't just give you a belt. You know, and there's always... But from my, from my point of view, I like seeing people conquer shit. That, yes. That, that really debilitating. Whether they win, lose, or draw, sometimes it's irrespective. It's the experience or of them saying, I did a lot better than I thought I would do, and... You know, and, and all that sort of stuff. And they can live with it. Some people lose, and they, they just never forget it. And it can haunt them for, well, eternity, really. Yeah, they define themselves. That's, that's a real issue with human beings. They define themselves by their past failures. Even though they've learned from those mistakes, they, they always look at themselves as like, God, I'm the guy who did this. Mm. I'm the guy who shit his pants. I'm the guy mm. who, you know, got in that car accident. I'm the guy who... Showed up late and got a, got fired from my job, and you become instead of a human being who has a, a lifelong, just a, a giant string of experiences, a lot of them that you've learned from and that you're better because of. Instead, you have the sting, like the emotional sting of those failures that just haunt people, and that's very common with people that they, they get haunted. That's why some people are haunted by high school. By by grammar school and high school bullies, yeah, definitely being bullied like define them during their formative state, and uh, you know I've known a lot of fighters who if they've carried chips on their shoulders d deep into their forties from being bullied when they were in high school. A funny story. Um, when I lived in a in a place in England called Macclesfield, and it's on a big hill where I used to live, 
And I seen the guy who used to live next door to me, his mum used to live next door to me, he used to live there as well. He was 60, something like that. And I seen him at the top of the road. And he was stood at the top of the road and he was looking down the bottom of the road like this. He was looking again. And he was just stood there and I, and I said, what are you doing? And he went, there's two guys down there from, they used to bully me at school. I'm waiting for him to go. 60. 60 years of age still. He said, I'm waiting for them to yeah, leave. Yeah, he was waiting for them to go. Billy's name is. And he was just stood there and waiting for them to go. Well, that, I... I like to change, and I would wow. love to change. It's sad. Think about it. It's a long time, you know, for him to, you know, and it's a small town, Macclesfield, where he used to live. So he's probably bumped into them. He's probably avoided them in in the store, or the shops, or whatever. So for forty two, forty three yeah, years, this guy's been maybe haunted. More. Maybe more. maybe more because yeah. before then, in and I school. hate that. I I just it's you know it's it's sad. It's real sad. Situation. It is sad, but it's, it also seems to be bizarrely and cruelly a part of human nature, yeah, a part of animal nature. Yeah. So if the animals fuck with other animals, yep. they try to find the pecking order. Yep. And it, it motivates the weak ones to be strong. It motivates people to stand up for themselves. And that's where, I mean, the bullying is a horrible thing, but bullying is also the reason why a lot of great fighters exist. Guys like George St. Pierre, I mean, he's pretty open about it. Like, the mm. reason why he became a great fighter, because he was tired of people fucking with him. Mm. And he might not have ever become the guy who he became if it wasn't for that pressure. Yeah. If it wasn't for those obstacles that were thrown in front of his face, you know. And that's, it's a, a very, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it happens. But objectively, if you step back and look at just life itself it seems to be an inexorable part of our existence on this planet there's a pull and a push and if there's no one pushing there's no pulling and if there's no you know you know what i'm saying if there's no yeah, it's, there's it's, no, no negative oftentimes the positive doesn't reach the same heights no it doesn't um in a lot of cases but it's if you can chip away at it or right. at least change some perspective on it right. for a person. This is why someone said to me once when they wanted to be a mind coach that well, I'm only going to work with, with athletes. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do therapy. It's all therapy. It's all therapy. Regardless of fighters, it's not always about them being nervous about fighting. The fight mm -hmm. doesn't scare her. It might be something to do with the girlfriend, a loss of a family member, whatever. Or, you know, it goes back, way back. It's, it's all part of people's journeys. It's all part of people being who they are. Therapy has a negative connotation in a lot of people's minds because yeah. they connect it to self-indulgence. Yeah. Like, are you going to go to therapy every day and just whine and bitch about your life? And, yeah. and we've all met people that are doing that. You know, We've all met people <laughs> yeah, that are just locked. So for them, it's sort of more about having the opportunity to use someone to talk about themselves. It's an ego trip yeah. in a lot of ways. Instead of trying to solve whatever uh, whatever influences that they, they that have control over them as a therapist you get to know as a mind coach you get to know who will do carry on doing that behavior it's secondary gain some people do the behavior just for a gain just to you know get themselves where they want to get to, to get where they want to get you, you kind of decipher from that i mm -hmm. i don't really i don't play that game i just give them you know well really you know and i just i'm kind of they can be kind of tough with it but, you know, if you want them to change, if they don't want to change, nothing you can do. Right. You know, I, I don't want to, I, I don't have these dragged out long, uh, you know, therapy sessions of, and then this and this and this happened and that happened. We, I try and get right to it, mm -hmm. right to the, right to the core of it. And um, that's because of the way I was trained. I was trained by a guy called Colin Mackay, who's absolutely like Yoda. 
you know my teacher and I, I was trying I was trained that way and it, it's, it has good success and you how did you get involved with him um I got involved with Colin uh, I started I went to a seminar uh, many years ago by a guy called Keith Mayer and I was at a bad time in my life being a bit of an idiot drinking snorting dancing powder etc I wasn't being the best I could be and uh, I went to a seminar Keith Mayer loved it felt great didn't know why just really started reading books everything Dr Wayne Dyer and all sorts of things like that mm. and then um, I got hold of uh, wanted to do a course uh, with a with a company and the company was good but I found out about Colin and that was it since then he's become a friend and we're like he's just smart Super smart. Well, it's interesting because your main pursuit with this or your main uh, focus with this is fighters. So yeah. you're, you're dealing with a very concentrated version of this kind of problem solving yeah. because of the fact that the, the existence is so intense. Mm -hmm. It's so difficult psychologically. It's so difficult emotionally. And it's very difficult physically as well. There's it so is. many discipline there's so there's so many factors involved in in being a successful fighter mm -hmm. and you're involved in probably like the most the most concentrated form of dealing with anxiety and problem solving and the, the ability to see results yeah to be honest I never thought of it like that I, I didn't because I've been around it so long mm -hmm. I never really thought of it like that I just do what I do well if you think about it like a person like say if a guy was a uh, a banker or you know an insurance salesman or something like that and they had a bunch of issues that are keeping them back from being successful mm -hmm. at their chosen endeavor they, they, they you know their failure pro or con is only financial you know but it's relative to them isn't it it is relative, relative to them, to them but like, the intensity of it yeah like the intensity of a guy going into battle like yourself about to go and f trying to find coughs and reasons why someone's gonna step in and rescue you from what is ultimately your entire focus mm -hmm. for the last six to eight weeks you've been ready for this one moment and the moments here and you're ready to get the fuck out of there right yeah, there's nothing true. like that in the world of being no, a banker I suppose it's not but because I've been around it so long mm -hmm. you know, 30 years been around it uh, uh, Muay Thai and I sound so many, seen so many really good fighters in the gym, like awesome, right. kicking pads, sharp, clinched, everything was sweet, sparring was on point, and then just to see this different, I think of it like this, like a really, like making a really nice wedding cake, and then when you're going to show it to the people that are going to the wedding, just fucking squash it. Mm. That's always felt like to me, just like, just destroyed their own creation all the stuff that they've done in the gym well, maybe a better analogy is you you wheel that wedding cake out and it melts instantly under yeah. the hot lights yeah. of the stage yeah which is really what it is because yeah, when you have it in a regular room the lights aren't that hot yeah and you when you have someone in the gym I mean there's a lot of pressure sparring in the gym of course you know there's a lot of uh, there's great fighters you're working out with people who are very dangerous there's a lot of expectations and anxiety but it's nothing compared to an actual fight itself no, that's when everything's ramped up yeah I mean especially like you said there's people who have been bullied as well mm -hmm. and you have to consider who you are you have yeah. to consider everything about yourself you know going on that stage going into that lion's den so to speak and you know the gladiatorial sort of archetype of it all but that's... um I, I it's it's difficult but it's, there is techniques that work really really well Really Te well. Techniques that work really well to get the person out of these negative states yeah. of mind, these negative yeah. patterns. To get them, to get them, because what can happen is you can go away with a train of thought. So it, 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 
magnifies and goes on and on, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the self-talk gets really intense, so it trips you up completely and then can overthrow you and make you, you know, a minimum of what you can actually achieve, you know what I mean? And you've recently started working with my friend Ian McCall yes. as well. Yeah, I have. Who's another uh, great UFC fighter. Uh -huh. Um, he's very excited about the the results. Very happy about the results. All oh, right, good. I'm glad about that. He loves it. Yeah, we we were talking about it, and he was like, uh, "I'm 100 percent sold." I really, you know, yeah. when I first he said when he first started doing it, he was like, "Eh, we'll see." Yeah. But then, you know, once he really experienced it, he was like, "Okay, I'll, I'm going to be doing this from now on." Yeah, he's. I, I really like Ian McCall. He's a real nice guy. Um, we've not done that much, really. Did you about... work with him after his last fight? Did you work with him after no, the... Uh... I, I, I've only been... I actually don't know because, you know, no disrespect, I haven't followed UFC that How much. How dare you? I know, I'm sorry. I'll leave now. No, it's okay. But um, I'll finish my coffee first. <laughs> but um, polite, I'm English. But it's like, you know, um, I think it was after his last loss. He, he said he was feeling certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the guy, the little stocky guy mm -hmm. that just wing yeah. shots him? Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I did see that. And um, since working with him, it's just... <laughs> it's just about finding out who they are. Everyone's different, and that's why I, I like to work with people one-to-one. -to, -one. to do seminars, I'm over here doing seminars at the moment. But I like to work with people to find out what makes them tick, to find out what stimulates them and what doesn't, you know? And, and what with, holds them up? Yeah, definitely. But Ian McCall's a lovely guy. I really, yeah. really like him. Yeah, I like jo him as and, well. And Joe... Same thing. Yeah, same Great, same great people. Same deal, yeah. Yeah, and you work with Ross Pearson as well, who's another great guy. I have guy. done. I worked with Ross Pearson. I was I did some stand-up. I used to teach Muay Thai. I was at a gym called Salford Muay Thai, and um, just holding pads and, and that. So I kind of fell out of love with it, really, teaching, etc. because mind coaching took over it. But yeah, I worked with Ross as well. He's another super guy. So you're not um, doing uh, Muay Thai training anymore? You're no. basically doing all mind coach stuff now? Yes, sir. And, wow. and commentary for Yokao and... Um, and Fusion. Yeah, and for folks who don't know, Vinny used to do uh, commentary for It's Showtime, which is one of the bigger kickboxing events yeah. in the world before it was bought out by Glory. Yeah. And uh, then um, now it's uh, Glory is struggling a bit in the United States, unfortunately. I don't know why. It's just to me, I'm such a huge fan of it. I think, uh, you know, you watch a fight like Simon Marcus versus um, uh, Artin Levin. It's a fucking great fight. I was watching it this morning again in the gym. It was an amazing, amazing fight. Yeah. Five rounds, went to a draw. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fucking war between two of the very best guys in the world. So exciting, high-level stuff. I've never seen anyone train. I was at Muay Thai in America last year with my friend Brian Dobler. Uh, from Fontana, and I was we what he was training there. Simon was training at his gym. I've never seen anyone train like him. He is a machine. Really, you know? Oh, well, he looks ridiculous. like a machine. Ridiculous, yeah, he does. He yeah, does. and his fight with Joe Schilling. Holy shit, what a fight that was! Yeah. What a fight! Yeah, and Joe wound up knocking him out in the fourth round. They went three rounds. It was a draw after three rounds, and Joe knocked him out in the fourth. It was a fucking crazy. Yeah, but fight. Joe, Joe Schilling gets up. This Joe Schilling is like the guy out of Halloween, Michael Myers. You know, you knock him down, he's getting back up. Yeah. yeah, and he's, yeah, he's special. And you were working with him before that fight. Yeah, I was. I worked for, with him before the first glory when he won it. When he uh, beat Artem Lev. Yeah. I, I, I asked him. I asked him. I met Joe. I, it, it's kind of, I, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you, Joe had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He was a bit angry and stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, he won't mind me telling you this because he, he said I can. So he beat me up. And um, he, yeah, he was... Um, he was a bit like that, and I seen him at K1 because I did K1 in Los Angeles a while ago, 
I was talking to him and I said, you're miles better than what you come across on the internet. You're a much better person than what you act. And I, I kind of stuck home with him. He made me a friend on Facebook. And then I contacted him and said, you know, do you want me to work with you? And he went, yeah, sure, cool. And then we got on. He's so smart. He picks things up so quickly. He's so open to stuff. Um, we've done some really, really cool stuff that's... I, I can experiment on Joe, if if that makes sense. You know, some things that I want to try, I... Uh, and I do them, and he seems to work really well on him. So. Like, can you give us an example? Like, what do you mean, like, things that you want to experiment with? <laughs> right, it's really strange, but it, uh, but it's like, I had a thing about, because um, I'm English, uh, Sir Galahad, the knight of Sir Galahad, you know, the, the knights of the round table. Yes. You know, uh, King Arthur. And Joe didn't want to get injured because he was going to fight, I think he was Robert something or other he was fought on, on Glory, and then he was going to fight on Bellator against Melvin Manhoff. Okay. And he wanted to come out unscathed. So we persuaded his unconscious mind to have armor like Sir Galahad. So I talked in hypnosis about uh, the archetype of knights, of the knights of the round table. And he was Sir Galahad. Not literally, obviously, <laughs> but you know, so he had armor, so he didn't come, so he come out mm -hmm. uninjured. Right. You know, and it worked. I'm not saying it's going to work for everything, you know, like, oh, good, you know, start your bullets and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But it was just, it was that, getting his mindset into that, into that sort of, the way of thinking. You so know? do you think... Because he was so worried about getting injured. Right, so the, is that why it was effective? Because it mitigated the stress that he yes. had of worried about getting yes. injured? Because that can fuck you, right? If you go, like, God, I don't get hurt. God, yeah. I don't get hurt. That that getting hurt yeah. is in the back of your mind, replaying over and over and over again. Yeah, indeed. There was one instance. Liam Harrison was fighting a guy called Anawak Kial Samlit, and he'd fought him before and got stopped in Jamaica when John Wayne Parr fought against Borkal Popramuk, and um, Liam had been stopped. And I think it was a fourth round with low kicks. So we did a um, hypnosis to make him called hypnosis and the trigger word was warrior you know he kept this work as Liam's have you ever seen Liam Harrison fight he's an incredible fighter and uh, along with Jordan Watson and Andy House and all them from Bad Company in England and um, what we did was we did this hypnosis and when I was commentating on a show because he was fighting Anawat in round four and this just freaked me out really to be honest he looked at me and he looked me straight in the eye and he went warrior and then beat shit out of Anawat went on points and yet afterwards I said, do you remember saying warrior? And he went, no, didn't remember it. So it was that stuck in his head. That was... that. that was... Well, in all fairness, he probably yeah. got hit in the head a bunch of times during <laughs> yeah, that fight yeah. too. Doing, yes, do you remember probably... where you live? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know who you number? are? I have no fucking idea. Did <laughs> <Yeah>. I win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who am I? I mean, how many times has a fighter won a fight and then asked what happened? Yeah. Uh, that does happen. Because it, but I feel that as a state as well. It's both, right? Yeah. yeah. Are we talking about... Um, that put, flow state, that yeah, hypnotic state. It's yeah. satirai, isn't it, in, in the Japanese martial mm, arts? I yes. think it's, it's a state. Did Muhammad Ali talk about it when mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali fought Cleveland Williams? Mm -hmm. He was in that kind of state. You yeah, know, that's my was, favorite Ali fight. I'm so oh, glad you brought that up. He was just, wasn't he breathtaking? I've played that fight on this podcast yeah. at least three times. Yeah, he, was, he was in a state. He was in this flow. And that's before he went away for three years, yeah. before they took away his ability to fight. Yeah. Because he wouldn't fight in the Vietnam War. Yeah. And then he came back and he was never the same again. That Cleveland Williams fight to me is like quintessential. Breathtaking. Ali. People should watch that. That just showed his, his full potential. But yeah, he was in that sort of flow state. Yeah. But no, Whitaker the same. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, the way he's... I mean, there's one fight where he fought Harold Brazier. 
Yes. Only when he moved up to like welterweight, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And he slipped. I'm trying to do it. I can't do it, by the way. But he slipped, slipped, and they just stepped around him and patted him on the arse. And mm-hmm. like, come on now. That's ridiculous skill. Yeah. Well, Whitaker is one of those guys that people kind of forget about. Yeah. You know, like everyone wants to talk about Julio Cesar Chavez yeah. and some great fighters he from that beat era. Chavez. He yeah. beat Chavez that fight. I think he, he won. I think he won as well. Of course he did. But uh, he was one of those guys that, for whatever reason, people have kind of forgotten about him. Meldrick Taylor, a lot of people have forgotten about Meldrick Taylor. Meldrick Taylor. Well, Meldrick Taylor, I shouldn't say this. When Meldrick Taylor lost to Cristiano Espana in, I, I think he fought in Ireland or somewhere. Oh, no. It was on the Razor Ruddock and Lennox Lewis bill. Ah. I cried. I loved Meldrick Taylor. He was like my everything. It was, I shouldn't say that, should I? Whoa. Oh, That's sorry, like a song. it's come out the closet now. No, but he was, he was just, I loved watching him. His fight with Chavez was just an Brutal. all-time classic. Yeah, well, Chavez changed him. He was never the same after that fight. No. After he got stopped in the 12th, you yeah. know, I mean, with like seconds to go. Two Richard parts of Steele, his own blood or something, oh, wasn't yeah. it? He was swallowing his own blood yeah. from the mouth yeah. uh, cuts. But it was just... It was heartbreaking because after that he was just literally never the same. And, and I remember Terry Norris destroyed exactly, him. Didn't I was he? Just four bring rounds. That up. Yeah, when and Terry Norris is bouncing on his feet, and yeah. and then Terry. I mean, you see Terry now; he's fucked yeah, out he's, too. Yeah, he got Parkinson's. They're both fucked. Is his trainer training? Um, he's training Glovkin, isn't he? Who his Abel, trainer? A, yeah, Abel Sanchez. He's now yes, training he Golovkin. Is. Yeah. Yes, he is. Who he's I, training him up in Big. Who Bear. I love. Love Golovkin. If you, if you watch Golovkin explain how he fights, mm-hmm. he always talks about how he feels. Mm. Talks about emotion. He talks right. about how he feels and everything you see him. Even when he's hitting the back, you see him feeling the shot. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of going, he's, he can see him. Every single part of him, considering everything that he does, and apparently he's, he even beats people up. I think I heard that Kovalev had lost, had, le- had left that gym because of Gennady Golovkin. Rumor has it. Really? And he drops him with a body shot. Yeah, he's a monster. Kovalev, who Golovkin. fights fifteen pounds heavier, too. Yeah. That's that's wow. the, that's the rumor. I'm not saying it's that's I love rumors. Heard. Spread it up. Spread it. Might Spread know it up. I, even I don't if it's live a lie. in England anymore. In Liverpool, I've moved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or Kovalev knocking on my doors. It was Joe Rogan's fault. He made me say it. Kovalev is a monster. He's too, incredible. Man. And look what he did to Bernard Hopkins. He's yeah, that was pretty yeah. shocking. Pretty shocking. You know, see Bernard Hopkins in fully defensive survival mode. Yeah, especially Just, in round twelve. I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked like he. He let him off a bit in round 12, I thought. But Did I you think so? I didn't think so. I, I, thought, I, I don't know. I thought I, he was chasing I, I, him down. I, I, I don't know. He's very brutal. He's, he's on my friend's um, Facebook. And he, yeah. Well, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, ooh, we're dropping names. But he, um, it's before he was famous. And uh, But he, he seems to like violent stuff, you know. Yeah, he's a like, scary guy. He's a very, very scary guy. Well, he killed a guy in the ring. One a guy died in one of his fights. And it didn't seem to affect him at all. You know, a lot of times, like with Ray Mancini or um, Emil Griffith, yeah. there's a lot of fighters, they'll kill somebody. Yeah, Barry McGuigan did as well, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, Barry McGuigan killed somebody as well. I didn't remember that. Yeah. But something happens to them after that where they're never quite the same. Yeah, they're Nigel just... Ben. Yes. Nigel Ben was the same. Uh, well, I met Nigel. It's interesting, again. The Nigel... Joe McClellan fight. Yeah, if you yeah. listen to that at the end of it. They said, Nigel Ben says, the first person I'd like to thank is Paul McKenna for hypnotising me and making me believe in myself. And Whoa. I met Nigel Ben about two months ago, and I love... He said that after McClellan's yes, fight? Yes, you watch it. Wow. Uh, the first thing he said, I'd like to thank Paul McKenna for hypnotising me and making me believe in myself. Because he apparently had a, a separation of his wife and his girlfriend. That fucks people up, you know, emotions. Yeah. So there's a, there's a grief attached to it, isn't there, you know? And um, yeah, Nigel, and I mentioned that to Nigel Ben, he's a massive fan. And I mentioned that, I said, I got into mind coaching because, partly, it's because of how, you know, 
what he, he I mean he got out the ring he got knocked out the ring did he first God. round and McClellan was just a monster now McClellan was in his prime and a destroyer back then yeah. and they were everyone was talking about McClellan eventually fighting Roy Jones Jr. I mean, yeah. that was the big super fight yeah. that was on the horizon sort of like you know people are anticipating all the different fights right now for Golovkin they're anticipating possibly Cotto yeah if not Cotto maybe one day um, uh, Canelo Canelo Alvarez yeah that's a possibility yeah. like that's how they were looking at him until the Nigel Ben fight and it yeah. looked like he was just gonna kill Nigel Ben just just beating the fuck out of him but two things one the weight cut issue that was yeah. a big issue because uh, Gerald McLevelin was huge and he was cutting a lot of weight to get down to that weight yep. class and that was back when you know people weren't doing it well they weren't rehydrating with IVs and particularly in boxing the, the weight cutting mentality in wrestling is a totally different mentality because you could wrestle dehydrated and although your performance will probably suffer you are not as concerned about head trauma mm. and the head trauma that these guys get when they're dehydrated is very very dangerous yeah. Because the bleeding on the brain is just way more devastating. Apparently, all the deaths that have ever occurred, or almost all the deaths that ever occurred in boxing, have occurred outside of the heavyweight division. And the reason being oh, yeah. that those are the guys that are cutting the weight, mm. and the heavyweights aren't. But there's this one guy that got really fucked up on HBO, like a, I want to say a year or two ago. Um, he fought that Cuban kid. Uh, was it Eric Perez that he fought? Is that uh, the guy's name he fought? I don't, I, don't I don't remember. I'm not doing a good job of remembering it, but it was a rare instance of a, a heavyweight being like really badly concussed yeah. in a fight and having bleeding on the brain and having to get an operation. He was a Russian guy. Anyway, point being, but it's, that when, McClellan when they did fight the, was pretty crazy. When they did the documentary on uh, General McClellan, because you know, a fan of General McClellan, who's like, knocked out Julian Jackson. Not yeah. Julian Jackson, I think it was like seven rounds, maybe mm -hmm. knocked him out in like one or whatever. But he said on the second fight in the interview afterwards, when I fought you the first time, I had a headache for three weeks. I had a headache for three weeks after fighting you. That isn't a good sign. Yeah. You know, that isn't no. a good sign. And all of the, all of the, the, the documentaries have missed that out because I watched it and I mm -hmm. thought, I remember because... I just, you know, something sticks in your head. I just thought, he's not mentioned that. They never right. mentioned how he was... Apparently, they, they sparred really hard and all that. But, he's you know. from Kronk. Yeah. They don't Kronk, play. No. They don't Kronk play. Jim, not only do they not play, they used to crank the temperature up. Yeah, he was true. Emmanuel Stewart would yeah, crank it up like 100 true. degrees in that place. It was like a sauna. Yeah, they couldn't have no rap music, any swearing as well. And he believed in, like, when uh, Lennox Lewis fought Oliver McCall, they, he made Oliver McCall wear white boxing boots because he thought that he made him move quicker. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, well, strange. But, anybody, but if, it, if it adds to stuff. Yeah. Emmanuel Stewart is an interesting guy because he's so nice. He's so personable. Was, was nice. Was nice. Dead. dead now. Sadly. Yeah. But he was such a nice guy. And when a, when a f trainer is such a nice guy like that, oftentimes, like, it seems like the fighters want to fight harder for them. Yeah. Like, they want to win more. Like, they have this more of, like... There's nothing worse than a fighter that has a contentious relationship with their trainer, yeah. and then there's like there's some sort of animosity between the two of them. They leave, they come back, and you see a lot of that, and it really trips a lot of fighters up that those contentious relationships they have with their trainers. Because I think I think a lot of the times though, with fighters, sometimes it may take the the position of a father figure, mm. you know, or or a, an elder brother, or a, you know, especially a father figure, because a lot of like have come from, you know, not the best 
start right. in life, you know what I mean? So A lot of them come from a place with no father. Yeah, indeed. Big percentage. Yeah, indeed, you know, so, you know, I always, you know, my trainers, I looked up to them and wanted to please them as well. Right. It's just, I just think it's part and parcel of it, really. It is, you know? and I think that's why a guy like Emmanuel Stewart was so successful, not just because of his deep knowledge of boxing and his understanding of technique, which all were certainly there, mm. but also just because he was such a great guy. Yeah. It was when when he fought Thomas when Thomas Hearns fought Sugar Ray Leonard. I remember reading that um, Emmanuel Stewart and Tommy Hearns locked themselves away for two weeks and just cried. Wow, that's passion. Jesus you know? Christ, that's passion. Get you know, out of the you, house. Yeah, we'll yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Ring me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rewind time and ring me. And I was only eleven. Then. Were there any back then? Were there any? Did anybody use a mental coach back then? Do you know of anything? Is that when? When did it start in combat sports? I don't know. I'm the only one in the world, and that's, that's it. Not, that's not, not true. true. No, um, I don't know. I just, I actually, I've never heard of anyone that's that that does it. I know these scenes have seen sports psychologists and stuff. I know that Steve Collins, before he fought Chris Eubanks, sorry, going about boxing, boxing. I love boxing. Keep going. Um, when Steve Collins fought Chris Eubank, he came in with earphones in and knelt in the ring, and it played with Eubank's head because Nigel Bennett used a hypnotherapist, Paul McKenna to go through all that to beat Gerald McClellan. Mm -hmm. And then Eubank, because he'd injured uh, Michael Watson so badly, that he, he had this in his head that if Steve Collins is like this, he won't know when he's hurt because he'll get in such a state, he won't know when he's beat. You know so what I mean? So he was worried that Collins yeah. was going to take too much punishment. Yeah, or, or whatever, wow. the, whatever the game was, but it worked for Collins because Collins beat Chris Eubank twice. We might have beat him anyway. Might have beat him anyway, but it's right. shenanigans, isn't it? It's it's right. it's um it's it's mind games. Yeah, it's like the the fragile psyche of a, a person that's about to go into unarmed combat like yeah. that. It's really interesting. Yeah. Because most people would think of them as fearless, they're just the toughest motherfuckers on the planet, about to step in between those ropes and duke it out. But meanwhile, there's a they're balancing back and forth, and there's there's doubt and fear and all these different things that are that are playing on their mind. Um, you've seen the Mike Tyson movie, right? Yes. The documentary. Yes. That one thing that he did, that speech where he described what it was like to walk into the ring mm. and what he felt like, and how he had all these doubts until he got into the ring. And then when yeah. he got into the ring, he was a god. Yeah. You know. Well, they hit me. Used hypnotherapy, didn't they? Did he? Customato is hypnotherapy. I heard it on your show because I didn't know. And I heard it, one of your guys said, I don't know who he was speaking to. I, I apologize. Wish I, remember I know, I wish I could remember. <laughs> I could remember, remember where my feet were sometimes. But um, yeah, he was talking. He said that Customato, you did use it. Use it. Well, Customato was certainly Used. one of the first and most um, prominent to uh, talk about psychology to yeah. a fighter. And it was a main point of focus in like uh, interviews about Tyson where he would talk about the things that D'Amato told him and D'Amato in the, the you know the the footage that they have of him you know there's many many different speeches that he gave to Tyson that were on on recordings yeah and you know the one about fire being yeah. you know e fear e being cookery. your friend yeah, yeah. Feels like I'll tell you what else does. I'll tell you what I really like. I like Freddie Roach, of course. Freddie's We're great. We're going to see him soon. I really liked him. I really like having my pictures up with him. It was over the moon. It's like a little kid. On the yeah. scene, he was like, what's Freddie Roach? He's a very but nice guy, He is too. very nice. Very, very um, very uh, accommodating. Well, Virgil Hunter, if you listen to what Virgil Hunter says, he's, he, he has, he's got metaphors, which is learning stories. He's, he, and he, he, he says a lot of cool things that are like about life. and about, I think if you've got... 
experience of life and you can you can convey it in such a way that it helps mm-hmm. and that's that's more power to you i think yeah i mean and ann wolf too you know yeah. she, from the female side yeah. the way she trained kirkland yeah you know like there's probably very few trainers as ferocious in the world as that woman yeah some of the training that she used to have that guy do Is she the one that knocked that the big tall yes. girl with bomb yes. yeah yeah Ridiculous. right shot that one it one Ridiculous. punch knockout she could fucking bang yeah she could whoa so that was a chick that Christy Martin avoided like she was on fire right like, get away from me <laughs> she didn't want to have nothing to do with Ann Wolf and there's a, a great video of Ann Wolf driving a truck yeah, and I've she's got it, a yeah. harness on the front yeah. of it with a yeah. heavy bag hanging from yeah, I've it, seen it and yeah. Kirkland's backing up yeah. doing his heavy bag yeah, work backing it, yeah. up it's fucking fantastic but then when, he, when he fought Canelo didn't have her in a corner oh. Oh, but like that shot Canelo hit him with yeah. that. Oh, well, he didn't gracious. didn't train with her, and he didn't have her in his corner, and you know she was actually still managing him too. It was just the whole thing was a mess. That's unfortunate, but you know what? Canelo might have done that to him anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Canelo's a, a motherfucker. I'm sorry, he's dangerous, and he there's all yeah. there is all that, but it's like. You know, I think it's Prince Nazim Hamed was amazing mm-hmm. back in his day when he left Brendan Ingle. They had a really close relationship from seven, and you know, old Irish guy, and he has got loads of stories and you know, metaphors and blah blah blah. And when he left Winkerbank, which is in Sheffield, it's not far from me really, he wasn't the same. Right. He wasn't the same. It's like Tyson and Kevin Rooney. Right. They just seem to have a gel. They seem to know. Mm-hmm. And have a system that works. Well, look at Tyson was incredible. I thought with Kevin Rooney. Well, Kevin you know? Rooney was still a part of the Customato legacy. Yeah. You know, he had trained under Demato as well, and they kind of carried over. But he didn't have the same relationship with Kevin Rooney that he had with Customato, mm. where it was he wanted Customato's happiness. Yeah. He wanted Customato's love. He wanted Customato to to father really appreciate. Father figure again, isn't it? Exactly. Father figure yeah. Again. I mean, Demato really, literally was. Yeah. I mean, he took him in. Yeah. But again, it comes back to what you do and what your focus is, where it, it is really about mental states. Yeah. That mental state of wanting to please the father, wanting to please this mentor, wanting to this person that you love and care so much about their opinion and their, their idea of you, that it becomes a, a significant motivating factor. Yeah, it does. And that tapping into these factors tapping into whatever it is that allows you to achieve that amazing state of success. Well, that's why I like to get my clients. I like to get to know my clients in, a, in, a, in every way because then you get the best from them then. There's a saying that's less than 100% support is sabotage. So if you're not getting 100% with them and they're not giving you 100% back, you're never going to get what you, you know, what you can really achieve. But it's like I like to, to really get to know them, to understand them. Once you're a client, you're always going to be a client forever. You know, I've got a support system where, again, I was the same, learned that off Colin is like, you know, they, they get back to you on a regular basis and I never keep out of touch with them because I always want them to, you know, if they need me, you know, I'm not needy. Well, I don't need to be needed. But I like, I like staying in contact with them. Right. Well, I like you, success. I love it. Well, you also develop, it's a project. Yeah. I mean, you develop a relationship with this yeah. person and that person becomes a project. Yeah. And so you seem to get a great thrill out of other people becoming successful, yeah. which is a great quality. Uh-huh. And Thank that's you. the exact quality that you need in order to be a mentor, yeah. you know, in order to be a coach, in order to be the best coaches are clearly the coach that gets personal enjoyment and has a, a real deep investment yeah. in the, the, the student getting better. Yeah. I, it's like I have a lot of I get 
a lot of praise off coaches. Mark, Mark, I think his name's Mark Kamura, who's Joe's coach. Um, I, I was talking to Joe on FaceTime, and then Mark says, you've done a really good job. I, I really like that. I, I, I don't know. I, my sound may sound come across a bit, um, I don't know, gushy, but I just love it. I really love it. Mm. I just love the way I love fighters. I like people achieving. I like people getting out of darkness. I know what it's like to be there. You know what I mean? And it's nothing more of a relief than not being there. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, just point in the right direction, see people just glow, and they think, you know, and they get that eureka moment, the light bulb moment where they've done something wicked or they've done something they didn't think they could do. That, for me, is priceless. I didn't get paid for it, of course. It's a job, but it's priceless to me. Priceless. Well, that's probably why you're drawn to it. Well, that's why you're good at it. And that's Thank what you, you. Ca- you kind of have to be that, right? Yeah. In order to be good at that job. The worst thing you could ever be as a mentor is be jealous of the success of your student. Yeah. Or to hope that your student doesn't do as well. But we've all seen that. We've all seen that from coaches. We've seen that. I mean, everyone's seen sabotage from coaches. That's dark shit. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There is is an element of, there is an element of jealousy, envy, or whatever, Mm -hmm. sabotage in in, in people. And oftentimes it's like former competitors. Yeah. You know, you know. I, I think I don't know. If you agree with this, but I think when a, when a coach has been a fighter, there's a transition from him being still a fighter to a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've got a friend called Frankie Udders who's got a really good gym in Wivenshaw in Manchester, and I see that with him. Now he was a fighter, a very good one, and I can see the transition now of how he is to, of being a coach. He's like got all these kids that look up to him, and you know, like uh, Jordan Watson's coach, Richard Smith. He is the same, and they got this sort of. You can see the transition because they were fighters and then they become mentors and coaches. That that I, I like watching that. That's interesting. Mm. It's an interesting um, metamorphosis. You know? Yeah, it is. And it is an important metamorphosis too because if you always identify with being a fighter, you're never going to be a great coach. Mm. You have to accept this new stage of your life and embrace it the same way you embrace being a fighter, yep. to do it with 100% of your ability and your focus. Yeah, It's hard for some people because then it becomes not about them. It becomes about them helping other people, and some personalities are not really suited for that. Well, some, well fighters are about them. I mean, it's, you know, certain, not all of them, but certain amounts of it has to be about them because they're the ones that's taking the risk. They're the ones that are going to get in the beats, aren't they? Right. That, that go in the ring and take the take the shots and take the take the pain. You know what I mean? So it's it is difficult for a person to transition, but that's with the with the change of values. As you get older, your values change and you you start to shift from value to value. Do you like do you have long-term goals as far as like what you're trying to do with mental coaching? Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to to get into coaching people to be mind coaches, but mm. I want I want elite people. I don't want bullshitters. I don't right. want that. I want people who are as passionate as me. So right. you know, we're going to be doing that in uh, 2016. My Colin's got a um, a thing now, so if anyone wants to know about, it, they can. Get me on my website, vinnyshawman.com, or um, Facebook or whatever, the hypnosis page. And we can tell them about, he's got a, a new sort of a, a series of videos where you can go step by step to learn to be a mind coach. For my my long-term goal is just to uh, just keep improving, keep getting better myself, because I love it, reading all the time. But I'm quite boring, really, to, going on about it to people. Um, my long-term goal is, well, look how well Mike Dolce's done with his diet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd like to be that. 
I'd like to get that to be the 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 the, the man to go to, the go-to guy, and How? and have other people that have the same passion, you know, regardless of if it's fighting or not. Just mm -hmm. people that just want to achieve or at least get something bit a little bit further, if not as really far. How many people do you work with that are not fighters? Um, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, quite a lot. What's a common thing that they come to you with? That they confidence. want to improve confidence. Everything is confidence. Ninety-nine point nine percent of stuff is confidence, and and just yeah, confidence. And people, people come to me. It's always the same thing. I, they come in because ah, I work from home. I want to work on uh, Skype or FaceTime, and they always talk about what they don't want. That's the first thing out of everyone's mouth. They talk about what they don't want. And when you ask them what they do want, they still talk about what they don't want. So you have to change the direction of the thought pattern because they're just so focused on say it's that rock and the oh the rock the rock the rock, and you have to just move them to where they want to go, and then say now what do you want. Instead of focusing on that, now where do you want to go? Now what are you doing? What, you know that? Okay, and we deal with that in in various ways: timeline therapy, hypnosis, whatever. And then we move them towards where they want to go to. So when you're dealing with someone and their issue is confidence, yeah. what are the what what are the factors? What are like the things that are holding people back? Are there common factors that you find over and over again with people that keep them from being confident? No. This is, the, this is the Sherlock syndrome, I call it. This is where you have to be like Sherlock. You uh, have to like think, ah, Sherlock yes, Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, in English. Right. And he has to think about it and find out what really is going on in there. That's, the, that's why it's so cool. Mm. That's why it's so exciting, because everyone's different, and they have this sort of, you know, this uh, thing that keeps them back or whatever. It's strange, everyone's different. It's Whether it be a past relationship, whether it be, uh, like you said, bullying, whether it be parents whatever or a current relationship or a current relationship yeah that they that's that's toxic and they shouldn't be in it i don't tell them not to be because it's uh, ecologically it's not right ecologically but, but, well, psychologically yeah psychologically it's not right and just like it's just, not good for the environment it's, <laughs> yeah it's not good for the environment i'll buy it's bad for the toxic, ocean violent language screaming and fighting with your missus but um no i just think that they have you know, to figure that out for they themselves. They have to figure that out for themselves, and you kind of know anyway. You, right. you've, we've met people that you think, you shouldn't be with us, yeah. he's fucking bananas, or he's bananas, or whatever. Yeah, you know? when I was young, I used to try to tell, to help those people. I used to try to like tell them, hey man, you shouldn't be in that relationship. You don't get no, <laughs> you gotta, you don't get no thanks you for You gotta it. figure that shit out for yourself. Yeah, you don't get no thanks for no, it. No, so. everyone's gonna be mad at you. Her, yeah. him, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, so, so it is about the environment, the environment around them. Yes, just think, it is ecological, yeah. sort of, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, and it's also many times whatever's holding them back is also what led them to be in that relationship, that yeah. toxic relationship yeah. in the first place. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I've met people that their relationships is really essentially like a carryover of their mother. And that's always so odd. It's like they I have friends who can't do anything unless they check in with their wife. They have to ask their wife for every purchase. They have to ask their wife for any decision, anything they want to do. They can't say, hey, uh, I want to go to the game with Mike. Yeah. You know, you can't say that. You have to go and ask permission and see if it's okay and would it be all right. If, I mean, these are people that aren't even married. But you, are, you, but because you travel and I travel because I, you know, commentate on Infusion and Yokow and stuff, you, if you had a girlfriend, mine soon's going to be and my wife getting married in August, if you had that sort of where you're going, who you're with, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, you're not gonna. You're never gonna. You, it can't work. It I've had those work. before. So have I. They're brutal. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. On both sides. Yeah. 
You know, it's yeah. brutal. It's brutal for the man. It's brutal for the woman. It's br- it's brutal for the woman that's asking the man, "Where are you going? What are you doing?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, of what, it, what It's it's a terrible mind state for yeah. her to be in too. It's more about them than it is about what's you know. It's more about them, what they're going through, their insecurities. There, mm-hmm. I've done that myself. I have done that myself. You feel that you, it's well. It's very difficult too to grow inside of a relationship. Because it seems like you have to have your own shit together before you can attract someone with their shit together. Yeah. So if you don't have your shit together, you usually wound up with wind up with someone who also doesn't have their shit together. Yeah. And it's very difficult yeah. to for the two of you together to work it out. Yeah, like attracts like. Yes. So yeah. oftentimes people like they really do have to break up in order to get on yeah. with their own life. The trouble to is to carry it to the potential. next one. They say, Oh, this, that was shit, that didn't work. Let's bring yeah. it to the next one and then it, it becomes a cyclic behavior. Right. You know, and then it's it's difficult. It's well, difficult that's the weirdest one when you get involved with someone, and then somewhere early in the relationship they start screaming at you, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What the yeah. fuck is going on here? Yeah, like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Is this what you do? Well, it's boundaries, do you... isn't it? It's yes. where your boundaries are. If, sure. You know, if you've not, if you you, you know, the, you let someone overstep your, the boundary and all of a sudden they go further back, and then you, you end up not being you. It is, and it's also patterns that people fall into because life is very confusing and because life is very stressful and there's a lot going on so they fall into these patterns of making these same mistakes over and over again from one relationship to the next because there's comfort in those patterns yeah and you know you you recognize it early on because there aren't any real issues like we've only known each other for a short amount of time you're already fucking screaming at me for nothing yeah, like yeah, why yeah. are you screaming at me yeah. you're screaming at me because of some other shit yeah. that you've got that's Trapped. It's not, it's not been dealt with, and it's an unconscious yeah. behavior. It's an unconscious reaction to a situation that's not been resolved. And they think it's normal. It's normal to scream. Yeah. Because maybe they grew up with people screaming yeah. at each other or hitting each other or whatever. It's like this. Yes. Also, yeah. You know, and then you tolerate it, and then then increasingly it gets worse. Yeah, and the, it's interesting how those sort of relationships can become. You can drown in them. Yeah. You know, both parties can drown yeah. because you just can't get out of them and you're, you're constantly involved in conflict or the worst is conflict and resolution, conflict and resolution, conflict and resolution. And they get trapped in this high of, of, of making up, of yeah. fighting and then making up, fighting and making up. And, and meanwhile, your life's going. Yeah. You're, you're losing, you're losing days. Oh, yeah, time, you're time is a time is something you're just not going to get back ever. Yeah. You know, regardless of how rich you are. I went to um, a seminar by a lady called Dolores Askoff Nowiski, who's um, she's part of the thing called the Servants of Light, which is an esoterical belief school. Servants of Light? Yeah. I it, hate it already. Yeah, it? I know, I know. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's an esoterical <laughs> thing. It's nothing to do with me. I didn't name it that. Don't Thank blame God me. God you did but, but some of the things that she said... That you know, some of the things in the seminar she said are very relevant. You know, she was talking about um, that. Talk, tell a story about time, saying that when she was in, um, she lived in Jersey, which is just at the top of England, and they, when in 1940 something or other, the Germans were coming to invade, and she had to evacuate. So, her dad said, "Well, look, you know, you're not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to buy you anything for your birthday. We're gonna have to use all the money to be evacuated because he's gonna go and live in Heswall, which is near me in Liverpool." And he said, "Well, what I'll do is I'll give you a." A book with paper and I'll give you time so every time you write a check you write that you want to be with me in that time and he honored that time all the time so it made me think about how important time is we just don't get a lot of it mm. you know I'm 45 now I was 21 yesterday you know in my yeah. eyes you know my mum died in um, when was it uh, February no August last year 
boom, you know, your mum's there, all of a sudden they're gone. It, it's, it's very important mm. what you do with your time, I think, anyway. It's everything. Yeah, 100%. It's, every, it's also very difficult to stop and take account of what's going on in your life and try to figure out whether or not it's serving you to the best of yeah. its ability. If time is serving you, yeah. or if you are serving your own life, if you're, you're, the, the, your focus and what you're doing, your actions are serving your own existence yeah. to the best of your ability, or whether or not you're trapped in momentum. Because yeah. that's often the case of people. Tra yeah. Being trapped in momentum could rob you of your life. And you won't even realize it until it's too late. It ruts, isn't it? And then you're that 60-year-old guy on the hill yeah, looking going, down at the guys bullying and him. you're looking out the window with your blanket on your head going, bastard, mm -hmm. can I go again? No, you can't. There's no, there's no second throw of the dice, is there, you know? No. Which is, yeah, it's just the way it is. But it's that? also really hard to figure out if you're trapped in an environment where the people around you haven't figured it out mm. and they're stuck in some patterns, maybe alcoholism and cigarettes and all the bullshit that's involved with whatever they've got going on in their life, crime or drama or whatever the fuck it is. It's environment as well, yes. isn't it? It's the environment that you're in. Sure, and the patterns that you develop. That's mm. really hard for people to break out of the patterns that they grew up in. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's part and parcel of the job that I do. You can't say any more part and parcels. You said did I say times. that loads of times? Five. I you think. know, I, I did a podcast the other week, and, and I kept saying um all the time. Um, yeah, that's really dumb. That like is one that drives me crazy. Like, like yeah. yeah, yeah. If I, I catch that, myself yeah. saying like, like, yeah. if you like, I don't know, like, there's maybe like a way to like, oh, shut the fuck up. You know, if I catch, my, <laughs> if I catch myself over liking or overing you knowing, you know, there's like, you know, it's like the worst is, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, a rapper thing. Yeah. Well, they, they like we don't get any rappers in England. You don't get rappers? No, you don't. have rappers we don't, we don't over proper there. Rappers, How dare though, you? do we? Scrooge is proper pip. ones. You get like Scrooge's pip ones. over there. Do we? How dare you? Proves how in touch I am with hip hop. You should I get remember Dougie Fresh. Oh my goodness. Dougie Fresh and I remember Dougie Fresh and that's it. What about Roxanne? Biggie? Right, remember Roxanne? What about Biggie? Oh, Biggie was good. Yeah. Come on, son. Good. good. He was good. Good? Well, you know. The greatest? The, all right, the greatest then. Without a doubt. The, the best ever. The best that ever did it. He was indeed, wasn't he? He's the motherfucker right what there. He, what did he sing? What Put did he sing? He didn't on sing. How dare you? <laughs> Biggie, 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 can't you see? Oh, Sometimes no, the words, they yeah, hypnotize no, me. Yes, no. I just listen to classical music. Biggie, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Kick in the door, wave in the 4 4. All you heard was Papa, missed, don't hit me no missed, more. You, you've missed your way. You think I should have been a rapper? I think you should. I think you, you're a shitty mind coach if you really believe that. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we should swap. Have you ever told someone that they should be doing something different? Have you ever told someone, hey man, you need to fucking quit your job and become a rock and roll star or anything um no no uh, no um i've told people they shouldn't fight really yeah because they're not good at it or because they take too much damage because the coaches are shit oh okay we know that you've seen seen fucking why oh i thought i've only had a f one fight and i'm fighting b class in b class in england you can knee to the head oh i'm fighting b class i'm like it's not the best idea in the world Mm. You say it nicely. So you you told them they shouldn't fight because their coaches were shit. No, not coaches. Yeah, just it's, it's a risk. You know, it's an early early risk, and you know. It's, well, why would you tell them that instead of telling them to get a better coach? Yeah, you do. You do. Inadvertently, you just pushed them in the right direction. So then, some people just I don't know. Some people shouldn't fight and mm -hmm. never really get put it together. 
Well, you did what I do for the UFC for it's Showtime for many other kickboxing fights, and when you do that, you do see people that kind of don't have a chance. Yeah, you see, you see a bunch of issues. Yeah, you know, like whatever it is, they're just they're they're so far off yeah, yeah. where they need to be. Yeah, you're like God. it's car crash, isn't it? It's car mm -hmm. crash TV sometimes. Yeah, um, it is. It's car crash TV, but like it's. It's just part and parcel of what they do. You did it, it again? You part and I just did it again, again. son of a bitch. I'm sorry. But like, um, like mismatches trouble me more than almost anything. And it's one of the things that I really like about MMA as opposed to boxing is boxing guys will get tune-up fights. Well, what's, what's that catchweight thing about? I don't get the catchweight thing. Uh, catchweight for MMA, it's usually because someone got a last-minute fight right. and uh, or short-notice fight, and they don't want to cut all the weight. Right. Like, say if a guy fights at 155, like a Glacian T-Bow, uh -huh. he fights at 155, but he really walks around about 185, mm. and he cuts a lot of fucking weight, and so he has a process to cut that weight, and it's, he has to, it's pretty scientific. they got to kind of stay with that process, mm. and if they don't, like Benson Henderson, when he fought Brendan Thatch, Brendan Henderson, former UFC lightweight champion, took a fight at 170 because it was a short notice fight. Stepped right. in and fought at 170. And the reason why he fought at 170 is because like, he, this way he wouldn't have to cut the weight and he really wouldn't be able to take a short notice fight at 155. It's just yeah. too hard to lose the weight. Like they have to do it over a long period of time, otherwise they're significantly weakened. You know, they get down to a certain, you know, 10, 15 pounds away, and then they dehydrate themselves well, down. I did get why, you know, when Cotto fought Daniel Gale a mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago? Yes. Why they made Daniel Gale way lighter, yet Cotto's got the, the, t the middleweight title at 160? I didn't get that. I, I don't know what they that. agreed to. Yeah, they agreed to. Uh, it was 154, uh, right? Yeah, something like that. And yeah. I just thought, eh? I didn't get it. Well, no, maybe it's one, strategy. I think it was one, yeah, I understand it's strategy and sometimes it's a business. Mm -hmm. But when was the days where it, that's what you weigh? That's right. what he weighs. He's what did, the champion at that. What did Gil weigh? Is he walking around a lighter weight? Is he a lighter <laughs> no, he, guy? No, he is a middleweight. Right. And I, I don't know if he's a big middleweight. Well, maybe Cotto's thinking about fighting Floyd. And so he's working on fighting lighter and being yeah. lighter guys. And Yeah, but still, he's, he's you know, that's you're That's the big payday, right? Indeed. But it's like 160. Yeah. I mean, you know? he is the champ at 160. Yeah. And also there's the Golovkin fight, which is 160, that he might be next in line for Golovkin. Yeah. Or have they decided, is it going to be Cotto versus uh, Canelo? I, I, I think the big fight, uh, the big fight, because I, I don't, th do you think that Cotto and Mayweather will sell? I don't think so, I don't no. know. But I think Canelo and, and Cotto is... Canelo and Cotto is a big, big fight. It's Puerto Rican versus Mexican. It's mm -hmm. always big, isn't it? They don't like each other for nope. some strange reason. They don't. So that, that, <laughs> that'd be good. So they speak the same language. I don't get it. Yeah, they do. I, I don't know. Who do you think would win? Canelo or Cotto? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> it's hard to tell. Um, Cotto certainly has taken more beatings. Yeah. You know. Uh, I so, think Canelo's just got more weapons. Yeah. Well, he like, hits a lot harder. He's yeah. a scary fuck. There he is. You know, you, you know the Margarito fight. I think took a lot out of Cotto. Yeah. That was a fucked up fight. When you find out his history of of loading up his his wraps. Yeah, the fight was hard. Yes. You know, and the mm -hmm. Mosley fight wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. You know? He's had some real hard Maybe fights. He has. But the Mar Margarito fight was fucked. Yeah. When you find out that he most likely loaded up his gloves with plaster. Yeah. What does this say? 
Cotto Canelo, winner to fight Golovkin. Yeah, it's supposed Whoa. to be maybe November right now. They haven't officially booked it. Ooh, I'll see that. Fuck yeah. Cotto Canelo would be a great fighter, and a uh, great fight, rather, and the winner fighting Golovkin would be giant. But nobody wants to fight Golovkin because no. only boxing fans know who Golovkin is. Yeah. Every Mexican on the planet knows who Canelo is. Yeah. You know, a lot of Spanish fans and boxing fans know who Canelo is. We see him knock out Rubio with that left hook. Mm-hmm. Like he's a motherfucker, that. dude. Boom. Yeah, he's a motherfucker. He hits very hard. But really, for me, it highlights my appreciation for Mayweather's technique. Yeah. I mean, you say what you want about him as a human being. Mm. He seems to be, you know, a, a less than favorable human being. Yeah. But goddamn, as a boxer, he's magnificent. You can't, you can't but admire his talent. He's magnificent. Incredible. He's magnificent. I mean, he's, he's the best ever, in my opinion. Mm. I don't think he's the most exciting ever. I don't think he's the the most fan favorite. But it's the art of hitting and not getting hit. Who the fuck is better? Mm-hmm. You know, like I had this conversation with Max Kellerman about it. He was like, Sugar Ray Robinson is so much better than him. I'm like, Sugar Ray Robinson lost to Jake LaMotta. You're telling me that Floyd Mayweather would lose to Jake LaMotta? I tell you, you're out of your fucking mind. I don't think Jake LaMotta would lay a glove on him. I think Floyd would be all over the fucking place. He'd be slipping to the left and slipping to the right and popping that jab and lead right hands and tying him up and... I just can't see him. It's always staying. it's always going to be wet the way though, isn't it? Oh, mm-hmm. If he fought him, he'd be right. Blah blah blah. People are always going to have that. They way. always oh. do that. They always do that. But I just think Sugar Ray took a lot of. He was an amazing fighter. Yeah. No, but it was a different era, different mentality, different style of fighting back then, different knowledge database. Yeah. People knew more about the effects of fighting and, now. And sport evolves, doesn't it? Yes. The technique evolves. Always and, will. And, and always will, yeah, definitely. That's one of the most exciting things about MMA today is that you're seeing these guys, like these Yair Rodriguez's, these young kids that are coming up 23 years of age that have so many fucking tools. It's like you compare them to young people coming up 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. There's no comparison. Yeah. In well, MMA, it's a much larger jump than boxing. We've got, um, on Infusion Live, we've got um, a couple of kids called Ilyas Balaid mm-hmm. and Mohamed Jaroya, two, um, two Moroccans who train. A lot Brilliant. of tough Moroccans, huh? Mate, they can fight. They're Moroccan magic, I call it. They are just... <laughs> they just Badr Hari. Oh, badass. Bader, yeah. such a fucking Bader, psycho. I've, I've commentated on him loads and loads of times. If that guy could just stay out of jail and stop breaking people's legs and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, he could just behave himself <laughs> and stop being naughty. Well, it's the reason why he's so good, though, is he's a fucking psycho. I mean, oh, it's a part mate, of the reason why he's so good. He's mean. I'm not going to say anything derogatory about him because no. he might find me. <laughs> well, my the, the, the derogatory things that I'm saying are all positive. The psycho yeah. stuff is the reason why he's so fucking good. You yeah, know? he's the most exciting kickboxer yes. in the world. Well, so aggressive have a look at Jiroya and yeah. Elias Belide yeah they're on you, know, you can see them kickboxing is kickboxing at a higher level now than it was 20 years ago yeah much higher yeah yeah I'd say the miles they, Jiroya's 19 you know Elias is uh Jiroya's 19 Elias, no Elias is 18 Jiroya's 18 sorry and Elias is 19 only young kids wow but like they've had 110 fights you know, that's they fought, insane they fought, like you know amateur and that's you know, insane hats on. But, 19, you know, honestly, 100 fights. Joe, That's they're insane. so nice kids. They're so nice. But getting in them rings and they just fight like fuck. And then when they get out, their treats like, hey, I had, hey, look, I had hamburgers and fries. I'm very happy. And you're like, you know, where other people are like celebrating and getting drunk and all that. They're just mm-hmm. cool little chips. Wow. You know? Wow, hooray. Just keep them away from pussy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to stop. That's how it starts. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's just like, yeah. 
It's all starts but partying. It's, they and... are the superb, really, really good kids, you know? It's just so fast and like, sharp and technique and everything. Well, that's one of the things that perturbs me the most, or disturbs me the most about the, about Glory. It's like, I just, I see it, I see the level, like the Nikki Holtzkins and, you know, the the, 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 the high level of fighter. Nikki Holtzkins got into boxing now, I think. Is he's, he's doing I, that I don't as know well? Whether, I don't right? know if he's doing it as well or he's going into it, but I know he's boxed a few times now. Really? Yeah. So he might become a boxer instead? Maybe. I, I know he's doing it, though. And it's not really common for a Dutch fighter to go into boxing now. I think Tyron's uh, dabbling with it, is mm -hmm. he? Yeah. I think so as well. Um, it's not really... Holland has not really got many boxers. Well, Tyron fought his last fight because it was recovering from his broken leg that yeah. he got from Gokan Saki. Yeah. Which is devastating. It's yeah. really rare, too, that you see a high-level kickboxer break his leg like yeah. that. That was unusual. Yeah. But he, um, I remember him saying to me years ago at Showtime in Brussels, he said that he wanted to fight David Hay. Ah. He said, I want to fight David Hay. I, I want to do boxing. I want to fight David Hay. And he said that to me. David Hay seems to me to be a really good fighter, but a little too small yeah. to beat a guy like... Like Vladimir, yeah. Like the Klitschko's, they're yeah. just fucking these giant guys. Yeah, he can't really reach them. No, you know. No, he's fighting. Uh, I think Vladimir's next fight will be against Tyron Fury, mm -hmm. Tyson Fury from from England. Yes, who's the who's the funniest guy ever? His tweets are funny. And yeah, he seems hilarious. Oh, he makes I oh piss. Does he have a chance? Do you um, think he has a chance? I hope so. I, I, you hope so. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't what know. I thought was interesting about Vladimir Klitschko's last fight is that the referee was admonishing him for holding, and he was yeah. taking, he was saying he was going to take a point away from him for holding. Yeah. That fucked his whole game up. Yeah. Because his whole game was like, pop that jab, pop that right hand, tie you up, wrestle you. Did you fight Povetkin? Yes. And that was like bop, bop, mm -hmm. jab and grab and pushing exactly. him down and stuff. That's his whole game. Yeah. And as soon as that goes away, then he's forced to stand with guys and trade yeah. and exchange. And, you know, he's been knocked out a few times. Yeah. Will he do that against Fury? Because Fury's bigger than him. Mm. Fury's actually bigger. Than, yeah. Than, um, I, hope, I, hope, I hope Fury wins. He's from Manchester. He's from the same area as me. So. Right. But that's just nationalism. If you yeah, take away just, that, uh, objectively. It's not easy. If it, objectively, it, do you think you could beat him? It's not easy. Not easy. So not that's easy a no. Yet, I'll so. say. I'll say no. But he could. He could. Also, uh, he Vladimir. Could, he could is... because Vladimir's. Been, you know, it was the last person to knock him out. Was it Corey Sanders? No, someone knocked him out after Corey Sanders, right? What was his name? I don't know. I remember it four o'clock yeah. in the morning for no reason. Uh, uh, Wait, fucking uh, black guy, American. Yeah. Um, Lamont Brewster. Yes, thank that's you. Lamont was he? For, he knocked him out after Corey, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was like two knockout losses in a row, wasn't yeah. it? But you got to, they're just on it, aren't they? They're just consummate professionals. Well, that's they're another huge. Emmanuel Stewart yeah. uh, success story. Emmanuel yeah. Stewart figured out how to get him to box right. And, yeah. you know, probably engineered that whole style that he's developed, too. Yeah. This just pop and grab style. Well, none of her, none of Emmanuel Stewart's were left hookers, were they? They were all long jab, mm -hmm. right hands, you know, like Hearns. There wasn't really, like, big left hookers. And, and What about McCallum? Didn't McCallum fight under Emmanuel? Mike McCallum, the body snatcher? Maybe. Famous left hook to Donald Curry, Maybe. left to the body and left upstairs. Maybe, but was, was he with Hearns then? Was he with Manuel uh, Stewart then? I believe he was a cronk guy. Yeah. I believe McCallum. Yeah, cause, yeah you're right, because there's a video, isn't there's a video of um, him sparring with McClellan. Tommy. Oh, with McClellan? Yeah. yeah. That's just, that is classic. Mm. That's just, this, it was so, so amazing to watch. It's, you know, it's art, isn't it? It's yeah. It's real art. You know? It really is an art, but it's it's also an art with a very short amount of time you could pursue it and a, a, a very limited number of times you can get hit. Yeah. You know, and I think 
It is a short. It is a short existence. That's one thing that used to disturb me most about MMA gyms. Maybe say 10, 15 years ago, mm. that these guys really didn't have. Uh, there was, I shouldn't say these guys. Some gyms really didn't have the best, most technical striking coaches that had a deep knowledge and understanding of striking. So these guys would be beating the fuck out of each other, just like throwing bombs at each other in the gym. You would watch it, and they weren't working on technique. They weren't working. They weren't sparring to get better at the art of hitting and not getting hit. Yeah. They were just wailing on each other. Yeah. And you know that was toughening them up in quotes, air quotes. And then they would go into the gym and or go into the ring and fight. And they were carrying all the damage that they were accumulating in these sparring sessions. And a lot of these guys now are kind of speaking up, like Jamie Varner, who's a former uh, WEC champion. Uh, top lightweight contender in the UFC just recently retired and he's talking about the amount of sparring that he did and how fucked up it was mm. Also, he was sparring with much larger guys He was sparring with Ryan Bader who fights at 205 and he's mm. fighting at 55 and Ryan Bader's world-class at 205 So he's fighting a guy 50 fucking pounds heavier yeah. than him. He's sparring him in the gym. It's madness yeah, He still takes his word and tear doesn't it? Fuck yeah, a kid that, the kid just had his debut uh, last UFC that I, I think he was in Brazil was it? But I know anyway uh, Darren Till Mm -hmm. From he's from just the same, lives on the same road as me. Lives in Brazil now. Darren Till, he's good man. He's South boy. He's very very good kid. It's what watch out for him. There's a lot of good talent now. Yeah. This is an amazing time for MMA. I mean, this yeah. is such a it's such a young and blossoming sport. There's um and the, the the level of striking is slowly and steadily getting faster and faster and better and better. It's uh, it's really an amazing thing to watch. The jiu-jitsu is getting better. Everything's getting better. There's no comparison whatsoever. I mean, I don't know what the difference between 1993 kickboxing was. I mean, I know there's if you watch like Andy Hook or Mike Bernardo, they were very good, yeah. but they're probably not as good as Badahari, right? No. But the difference between say fighters from UFC one and fighters of today. I mean, you're talking about a massive evolution, mm. like generations of evolution, like a thousand years of growth. It's amazing. There's no comparison whatsoever. It's going, it's, yeah, it's, it's, they're all learning very quickly mm -hmm. from mistakes or what people have done before. Learning very quickly and also accumulating the techniques from other disciplines because a lot of the guys that start out, they're really only good at one thing. Mm. Either they're really good at striking or they're really good at grappling. That was basically it. But you're getting these guys today that are great at everything. Yeah. And that's just... Uh, that's just it's more complete, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a complete art. It was fragmented, wasn't it? When the first UFC started, it was fragmented with people doing jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. you know, Pat Smith, was it? Was he? Pat Smith, yeah. One yeah. of the first ones. And, yeah, he was uh, devastating. What's his name? The other one, the Dutch guy. Which guy? Orlando uh, V. Orlando V. Orlando yeah, V. I've seen him fight yeah. Thai boxing. I've yeah. seen him t live twice. He was tough. Him. Mm -hmm. Just unorthodox. And, mm, mm, just, yeah, he was dangerous. Yeah, same trainer as uh, Ramon Decker. Cole oh, yeah? Ham Cole Hammers, who's with Glory now. He's the matchmaker for Glory. He he trained him, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, an interesting guy early on in the beginning. Very, very good uh, Thai boxer, but a good example of a guy who didn't know how to grapple. Mm. And he would get take down to the ground and just smash. Yeah, he got, and he got beat by a, a Dutch kid, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Like the elbow, wasn't it? Was, yeah. Um, God damn it. What was his name? Rem Pardew or Rem something? Remco Pardew. That was it, yeah. Yeah, Remco got him in a headlock, took him to the ground, and just blasted his yeah. brains out with elbows. I mean, he elbowed him like four or five that, times that while Smith he was unconscious. That's that ninja guy. Uh, I had that on yeah. video and just, just to watch it over Mr. Make Me Laugh. That was an important fight for people to realize that ninjutsu's bullshit. <laughs> a lot of people really believed they were going to 
<laughs> Get in there. Shuriken stars. Shut your stars. Do karate chops on yeah. people. Yeah, the the level in compare. Well, that's also one of the reasons why performance enhancing drugs are so prevalent in MMA is because there's so many different things you have to work on. Like if you're a boxer, okay, what do you have to do? Well, if you do your road work, and then you're gonna do your boxing work. Mm -hmm. You know, you do your sparring or your yeah. pad work. I mean, that's what you do. You spar X amount of days per week. The other days you're you're hitting pads and working the bag, and doing your combinations, but you're only working on one skill. In MMA, you're not even just working on boxing when it comes to striking. You got to train elbows. Yeah. You got to train kicks. You got to train knees. You got to train a different stance because you're worried about being taken down. So you have to work on your sprawl. You have to work on your takedown defense, underhooks, wizards, step away from the cage, how to get back up. Then you have to work on your jujitsu. You have to work on sweeps. You have to work on actual submissions. And you have to figure out, like, what, what, how much can I do? Like, yeah, and you have to get fit as well. Exactly. Yeah. We see a guy like Cain Velasquez. You never see that guy attempt a submission. Never attempted a submission in all of his UFC fights because it's only so much shit you can do. So he takes guys down, he just beats them up, you know, instead of trying to, like, you know, learn all the chokes and all the, I mean, I'm sure he probably knows them, but applying them in an actual fight situation, it's almost like there's too much to learn. Yeah, that's, well, I, when I went to, when I went to UFC, when Ross Pearson fought Cole Miller, and then I realized how dangerous these guys are. You know, I thought, shit, I can just kick, you can get you on the floor and break your neck yeah. you know and that tapping out is don't kill me yes <laughs> basically don't break my arm don't break my leg don't kill me yeah and that's it's it's very um it's it's reality isn't it it's real it's real combat isn't it it you know? certainly is yeah and that's one of the reasons why mma has become so popular is because it's so difficult to go from that to like floyd mayweather versus pacquiao where it's like not much happens there's mm. like a lot of Move, which I loved. I loved that fight, mm. but the the reality of the variables, like the different variables that exist in MMA, where a guy can take you down, a guy can kick your legs, a guy can do so many different things to you. You can't just stand in front of him and shoulder roll and box and then clinch. Mm. It's just so much more going on. The clinch is just the beginning. They're gonna press you up against the cage. They're gonna pull your ankles out from under you. They're gonna mount you, elbow you to the face. Gonna cut you open. There's gonna be a lot going on. It's not nearly as simple to defend yourself as it is in a boxing ring. Mm. Yeah, it's true because I mean it's just like looking at them. They must. They deserve the belt. To get that belt, the UFC belt, they must deserve it. Oh, the stuff they have to go through to get there. To you know, to get where they want to get to. To get where they want to get is. Ridiculous. Well, there's just a beat the fucking murderer's row yeah. that you, you have to go through to get to any shot at a title. Mm. It's like the guys you have to go through today. Mm. Anybody that's fighting for a title today, like, fuck, man, you got to earn that. There's, mm. there's a goddamn massive group of contenders in every weight class that are dangerous as that's shit. Got the, that's why you got to have the right mindset. Yeah. You've got to have the right mindset. Do you um, anticipate that this mental training thing is going to be a, a, a part of every fighter's camp in the future. Be. You think I it, think should, it be? should be? Yeah, I think it should be because you can get, you know, they, they can be in shape, they can, you know, the strength and conditioning, the right diet, and then, then if their heads are not right, the body doesn't perform. Now, what about applying that to kids? What about applying that to kids in school? Not fighters, just people in, in school. I mean, especially in high school or in college where you're about to go out into the world. And so much of your success or failure 
is predicated on your attitude, your mindset, and yeah. how your how your brain is is organized. Yeah, processing information. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a, a lot of it is just it's not really it's, it should be. There's so much stuff that you can do that's that's that can help people learn and take in information differently than just the cliche. Read that. That's what you got to do. You know what I mean? It's but mm-hmm. there's so many. But it's, it's, that's why it's so uh, interesting because it's people. There's so many different types of people, different ways of thinking. You know, like we did earlier. We did the Hakalau. Do you remember where we? Yeah. Why don't you explain what that is? Hakalau is um, a slight self-induced. All hypnosis is self-induced. Hakalau is a self-induced hypnosis thing where you. You basically you find a spot on the wall that's higher than your eye line. So you imagine that you're looking through your middle of your eyebrows. And what you do is you focus on a spot on the wall. Um, and you just allow yourself to just imagine that you can see all the way to the left and all the way to the right. You can imagine that you can see really high above yourself and below yourself. And then you can imagine that you can see 360 degrees. And what it does, it opens your periphery, opens your peripheral vision. So it gives you a slight hypnotic state and a slight, uh, well, a, a more feeling of um, wellness in a way, you know, a relaxing uh, feeling. And what we did was you were con- you were telling me to concentrate on that spot and then visualize magnets. Yeah, that was that was different. What um, what we did was we did Hakalau first to to kind of lead you into a hypnotic state um, to to get you to because you know. You don't, you don't go, you see these things on these rapid inductions, and I went on a course of rapid inductions where... What is that? Rapid inductions, are, I call a snap induction, so what they do is it, it's it's like you put, um, it's like a shock, so, so you shock the cysts, you shock them, and then they, then you go sleep or whatever, and it puts them under very quickly. You see, you can see it on YouTube and all sorts of, I, don't, I can do them. Um, they're very showy techniques as well, um, but I don't really... Dig them. Now, how does it work? Like shock induction. You're uh, saying because, sleep. Because like, your mind needs information. Your mind needs. Your, your unconscious needs information. Mm-hmm. So you can like this one where you shake hands with someone. So when they go to shake your that your hand, you break the pattern and make them look at their own hand, and then you say, "Look at me. Look at that. Focus on that." It's a confusion technique, and then you say, "Just focus on your hand," and then push out that hand together and head sleep, and they go under. Just like that. Yes, sir. Why? Well, why do they go under? Why don't they go? What the fuck are you doing, with my hand, man? Well, there's there's <laughs> always that possibility. Hence, me not do. But I've seen it done. I have done it um, with people, but it's all. I've done it when I've been in therapy with the client already because mm-hmm. I talk in hypnotic language and and do various things and stuff and just maneuver them into that state. So I don't really. You see people walking up on the street and these street hypnosis and all that, which is street hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. There's a few guys that do street hypnosis. Are very good. Uh, Vince Lynch, is very good. Um, did, did he do it like as he was a in, show? He was, he was on Vegas. television? No, or something? he was doing it in the street in Vegas. He was making people's hands stick to walls and. What really? Yeah, I but know. I don't see that. It's good and it's it's. Have you never seen it? No. Oh, yeah, they do it. Yeah. It's, it's, street it's, hypnosis. Yeah. I've seen street magic. Ah, it's not street hypnosis. Huh. Yeah, so they make people forget their names or, you know, count, remove the number four. So they go one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, huh. ten, eleven. But uh, it's it's fun to watch, but I not doesn't, doesn't Well, that doesn't interest boat. you because what you're trying to do is improve people. 
or help them yeah, improve like their lives. Yeah, not, right. not oh, they look stupid. Well, when I was uh, a kid, uh, when I was first starting out doing stand-up, there was a guy in Rhode Island uh, named Frank Santos, and he was an R-rated hypnotist. And yeah. up until that point, I thought hypnosis was bullshit mm -hmm. until I saw this guy yeah. over and over again, yeah. many, 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 many times. He had a night uh, once a week at Stitches Comedy Club in Boston. So I saw him dozens and dozens yeah. of times. And he would hypnotize giant, and he knew when people were under and when they were bullshitting. Mm. He would get guys, he would look at them, and he'd go, no, you're not, this is not working, you're faking it. Come on. And he would take them off the stage. He knew when people were under, yeah. and he knew when they weren't. But yeah. he could get a whole group of people, uh, maybe like bring 10 people on stage, and by the time he's done hypnotizing them, six or seven of them would be totally under. Yeah, yeah. And he'd have them doing all kinds of ridiculous things, like they thought they were having sex, they would come in their pants. Like, like really Brilliant. amazing. <laughs> I mean, I know for you, you're thinking like this isn't helping anyone. What he wasn't trying to do that. He was trying to put on a show. Yeah. It was you know people I paid mean, to see if, it. It was yeah, fun. and if people are paid to see it and they want to go on stage, mm -hmm. free will, no right. problem. Um, I've done it before. We, part and parcel of when we was part and parcel. I said it again. Son of a bitch. It's that coffee. It's that it coffee. Blame the coffee. Blame the coffee. Well, anyway, sorry. Sorry, don't about, worry sorry about, about that, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't dig that. It just doesn't do anything for right. me. Right. But how was, are they doing that? Um, because it's they. You, if you go to a hypnotherapist and they say uh, you can't hypnotize me, right? Then fuck off. What did you come for? You right. Know? You know what's the point? You know you got a pizza to buy a pizza. You know you got to come to the hypnotherapist. You come to get hypnotized. You know, mm -hmm. so you half go along with it anyway. You know, and and it and it helps if, if the client's got an issue they want to change, then they're more likely to change if they want to change with you. You know, um, but the the people that do on the stage, they just they want it to happen to them. They don't mind looking daft, so that's cool. Mm. But what I did with you is we did the magnet as well. Mm -hmm. Which was um, just just a stud way because we did the the peripheral vision. Then we just imagined that there was a magnet that could take negative energy from your body, and what that does is you use your own imagination to take the negative energy out. You do move. It's, there's loads of weird stuff that. Um, but what is happening there, really? Because obviously there's no magnet, and your mind thinking that negative energy is being pulled out of your body is mm -hmm. that just an adjustment of your attitude yeah. or an adjustment of your perception? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But it, what all I know is it works very, very well, and it's relaxing. And is that related at all to what Frank Santos used to do by a, getting an entire group of people to think that they were doing wacky shit in front of an audience? Because it's, yeah, it's the installation of what, it's the installation that's different. You know, there was no magnet, as you said, mm -hmm. they're not having sex. It's, right. it's an installation. And it's, right, but, but they, I didn't but they, really think that there was game, a magnet. I know, of course, but they, they don't, they don't. They go on there for that experience, don't right. they? Right. They go yes. on there for that experience. But, it, you know, it's irrespective of whether you believe there's a magnet or not. It's the end result if you feel more relaxed. Right. It's almost like a placebo effect. Indeed. Right. Yeah. So the placebo effect or the mind perceiving this change mm -hmm. and then adjusting your attitude accordingly, yeah. that that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's about just um, redirection of thought redirection of focus but that was different than the hypnosis part because the hypnosis part when you hypnotized me like I was definitely hypnotized like I definitely could st st I could listen to your voice and I knew that I was hearing your voice but I was in this weird sort of dream state yeah I was aware of it but not aware of it yeah 
Like if you took my pants off, we'd have a problem. Yeah, I would. Be, I would have woke yeah. up and go, "What the fuck is this guy trying to pull?" <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, Obviously, trying to pull you. I wasn't trying. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. You know, it's a weird state because you're not. You, you're not totally there, but you're kind of there. Yeah. Is that a good way of describing it? Yeah. Yeah. Like you hit. You're, you are, you're, you're, you're still there. You're not going to do anything that's against your values anyway. Really. But you're not you, going to do anything. Well, like, we wouldn't anyway, because I'm not like that. I'm not like that as a hypnotherapist mm -hmm. or as a mind coach. And um, what we did with you is we, uh, we, we got you to focus on your thumb, that thumb. Mm -hmm. So we didn't say your thumb, that thumb. So you disassociate yourself. Instead of saying your thumb, we said that thumb. We focus on that thumb. Mm -hmm. And then you just get your focus on that. And then there was a, there was a structure like uh, as you want to free yourself for it's, for it's good to do that. One, two, three, four. You know, so you're so you just like counting down as well. No, do you... Uh, are counting you... up, but using numbers, you know? Right. So it's a cause of sort of... You, you're focusing on that. If you're focusing on that, then your unconscious mind, so you're focusing on that. And then I'm talking to you with language that, that your unconscious mind recognises to be relaxing. Are you aware of all, at all, rather, of, um, like, the concept of, like, a Manchurian candidate? Yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? Um, have you ever watched Darren Brown? Darren Brown, a hypnotist, right? Darren Brown, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a hypnotist, he's an entertainer, he's a magician as well. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he did one called The Experiments. I think you can watch them on YouTube. And he did one where they shot Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's like a uh, English uh, comedian guy, and he's very posh, very, very, very intelligent guy, member of Mensa, but super smart. Mm -hmm. And they. Uh, he got this certain guy. They did a lot of uh, elimination techniques, you know, to see who was most susceptible. And they used a certain guy to go and shoot Stephen Fry, you know, not with a real gun, obviously, but just whether I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. There is a case where I watched uh, when he assassinated someone, and he said definitely I was under hypnosis, and everybody's just saying that while he's in prison. I don't know, you know. So, so wow. So, do you think it's possible? Um. I mean, you you would know, right? Probably more than ninety nine percent of the people on the planet. I I think it's if it's against your deep level value, you won't do it. But what if you're fairly shady but innocent? Oh, it's darkness, Joe. That's very dark. Right? I mean, if you find a guy who's not maybe never killed anybody, but maybe he's done a few fucked up things, and you can talk that guy into doing something like that through hypnosis. Yeah, possibly. Maybe because you're you're essentially like. steering someone towards a crime that they ordinarily would have avoided. Well, did you see the this again on YouTube? Uh, an Italian uh, hypnotist and took money off the cashier. She got just took money out of the register. No. Yeah, they've done that. And Darren Brown played. Did it on television? No, he, he did it. It was captured on CCTV camera. Oh, so he was a thief. Yes, and there was there was wow. one where Darren Brown paid with paper. So what he did is he got, gets paper, which is the same as, you know, like dollar bills. Mm -hmm. That's a, just blank paper. And there's a, there's a confusion technique. So he said, uh, don't quote me on the, on the script, but he said, um, I've just moved into the town or I just got off the train and I don't know whether to go that way or that way. Because my friend said, yeah, I have to get the terrain, but I don't know whether to go that way or that way or that way. Mm -hmm. But do you know where the station is? But he said, get the train. He says, take it. It's fine. And then when he's when he's... He said, he said, we'll just take it, it's fine. So he, he, that confuses the people, say, that way or that way. So it's mixed directing your thoughts. So he's moving his hands everywhere. She's so thinking, what's this guy on about? Then he's saying, take it, it's fine. Mm -hmm. 
So when he's giving the money, he's like, look, he said, oh, can I buy that? And he just gives them paper. And that's still confused. Not for long, because they soon come round and go, what the fuck are you doing? But he confuses them by saying, take it, it's fine. Take it, it's fine. So these... I worked at a um, um, like an ice cream place when I was a kid. Was, they serve ice cream and hamburgers. It was a place mm -hmm. called Newport Creamery, and I remember um, they had someone came in that they called a flim flam artist, right. where someone would come in and they would give you twenty dollars and they'd say, "Can you give me um, uh, a ten, a five, and five ones?" And then they would say, "Okay, okay, actually, can you give me a ten, five, five ones, and four quarters?" No, you know what? Give me two tens, and then they would start two tens of five and four quarters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you'd, you'd have more than $20 yeah. that you'd be giving them for their money. And the manager closed the, uh, the register. They went, hold on a second. What is going on here? And they shut the register, and they had like this sort of weird eye-to-eye -eye moment with this guy who was trying to hustle this kid that was working the cash register. It was, it was really fascinating. It was like a guy who was a con man. And I remember I was, um, I was near it. I wasn't involved in it. Like I, wasn't, I wasn't working on the cash register, but I was close to it. I forget what I was doing. But I remember watching this going, what's going, what is, is something happening here? And then they had like a little meeting. They explained when you're working the cash register, you have to be careful of people that start asking you for weird things, mm. asking you to, you know, because they start twisting your brain and confusing you and your memory gets all fucked up and you're trying to memorize what they're asking for. And before you know it, you've given someone $30 for $20. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, someone did that. I worked at a health club quite a few years ago. And um, a guy came in and he went, it's Franken, who was the owner. I said, no. He said, oh, I've brought his chain for his wife. I mentioned his wife's name. Uh, yeah, it's 20 quid. So I went, all right, give him 20 quid. And that was it. And when he walked out and then Frank come back and I said, you know, I've paid for that, the repair of that, you know, bracelet. And what he'd done is he'd come in, he'd talk to someone at the back, who owns, who works, who's the manager, Frank? Where's your mm -hmm. I'm sure I know Frank. What's his wife's name? Whatever mm. her name was. And then right. Muppet at this end. <laughs> Muppet at the reception. Hey, okay, here is the money. Anything else? You know, it, it was done to me. So, it is, so he gave you like a shitty chain. Yeah, yeah but I just went, oh, yeah, and you gave him 20. You know? That's, yeah, it's, that's a weird hustle, that hustle of trying to confuse people. Mm. But there must be patterns that they try to tap into in the way people recognize money or the way people count things that they try to disrupt and cause confusion. Yeah, numbers, words, uh, especially words, can confuse people and, mm. and get and send them off guard. We did a thing when we did the masters for neurolinguistic programming. We did a thing called quantum linguistics, which is really interesting. It's really cool. It makes you laugh. It's just it just makes doesn't make no sense. And one of the best language patterns uh, I was saying. I always, when I was when I was younger, I was always self sabotaging. I said I always self sabotaging. Uh, a guy called uh, Chris Bannock who did my masters with. And I said, I imagine there's a wasp's nest and I've got a stick. Don't go near it because you'll get stung. But because I was young, I always thought, fuck it anyway, I'll get stung and just see what happens. I'll fight these wasps, stupid. Right. You know, you're younger, you'd have to, aren't you? And he said, what wouldn't happen if you pretended not to do it? So when he said, what wouldn't happen if you pretended not to do it? Right. And I was like, what? And it yeah. doesn't make sense. No. But it sends your mind in it, especially when you're in that sort of that... 
you know, right. you say, what hey, wouldn't happen if, if you, you pretended, pretended not, not to, do, to it. do it? So if you pretend not oh, to do it, but you not still think? do yeah. it. Yeah. So if you're pretending not to do it, you're doing yeah, but what it. So what wouldn't happen? happen? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't get stung. It's, it's a what of, wouldn't happen is you wouldn't get stung. Yeah, but what wouldn't so happen would if you stung. pretended not to do it? That's a sort yes. of stone thing in it. It's mm. like, what wouldn't happen? If I'd be like, you need to learn how to talk better, <laughs> motherfucker. You're talking crazy. Yeah, but, it's, but it's like <laughs> in that situation where you, when you, when it's, it's not like dropped on you. You know, you don't right. knock on top on the shoulder and say, hey, what would never pretend not to do it? In the, in the, in the uh, cliche therapy thing. And the parent therapy situation, when it's when it's put in, it's glided in with language. It works so smoothly. Do you pay attention at all to cults? Do you pay attention at all? Because I'm I'm fascinated by people's ability to control people, other f people's minds yeah. and behavior. Yeah. And I, I've always wondered whether or not, like, when you see, like, have you seen the Scientology documentary, Going Clear? I've started watching it. Oh. I started watch. I started watching oh, it. Oh, it's fucking fascinating, man. Yeah. I've, I've watched it three times. I can't look away. I, I, I might watch it again. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'll it's, have to watch it. It's fucking crazy. I'll have to watch it. it well, I had experience. I've, I've known several people that were Scientologists, but one of them was one of my uh, neighbors. And... Uh, you know, he and I had some weird exchange about um, his wife was going clear, so he needed fifty thousand dollars. I was like, "What? Fifty fucking grand? Like, whoa, what's going on?" He was like, "They're gonna do some ceremony, and his wife will no longer be influenced by outside pressure or you know outside thoughts or any anybody's criticisms or negativity. She no longer they would no longer affect her, mm -hmm. and they needed fifty grand for that." Also. What the fuck? Right. But he fucking looking in his eye. He was telling me like oranges have vitamin C in them. You know, like yeah, yeah, for yeah, him yeah, it was yeah. like pretty straightforward. Obviously. And I've always been fascinated. Like what? It, what the fuck is going on? With my a cult? friend, my friend uh, named Aidan Pears. He was into Scientology. I don't know where he still is. I don't think he is. But he went to Flag, which is that is it the base where the, the Scientologists have the the main place what they have. And Tom Cruise's sister is named Ada it's, it's sorry Tom Cruise's sister's child is named Aiden after him whoa so he, he was into it Deep. I went I went to it I went to it a couple of times years and years ago and um, I creeped me out a bit mm. but I'm not I don't know if it whatever floats your boat if it's not causing you any but I haven't seen that going clear so I will do so well, I don't know about anything I like, say really. I agree with that as well if it's not hurting you and what do I give a fuck I agree with that as well until you start watching these documentaries you go well clearly it's hurting some people it's definitely mm. hurting people it's breaking up families it's, it's it's really fucked up the way they attack some people that that dissent or that leave or I mean if the people that are on the show the documentary that are telling if they're telling the truth and that's debatable mm. you know only, only they know and yeah. the people that they're talking about know there's some mind control going on there yeah. there's some there's some absolute definite mind control yeah. going on there and i wonder is that related in any way to hypnosis the the, the ability that these people have to manipulate these folks into well, look at hitler's speech mm. mein kampf right. look what hitler did you know so people maybe are searching for something to be influenced do you know what I mean? So mm. it's always going to be a lot easier, you know? So it's going to be, there's always going to be susceptible people. There is always going to be susceptible people. Yeah. But is cult, like when you see like a Jim Jones speech or, you know, when, when someone is giving some sort of a cultish speech, is that similar in some ways it to hypnosis? To, it has to resonate, doesn't it? Right. It has to resonate with, with, the, pe with the person, with the people. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's hypnosis, but I just say it has to resonate with what they believe in and you know, and what they they they, they floats the boat, I guess, you know what I mean? It, they can latch on to. It's like cold reading, isn't it? You know, yeah, cold like what? Re cold reading. Cold reading. Yeah, What's well, that? psychics. You know, oh, you okay. say stuff like um, cold uh, reading and cold, acting. By cold, the way, no, no, it's cold reading's a different. It means thing you altogether. get a script. Yeah, and you, no, it's different. I was trying to think. No, of, what is he talking about? No, it's different. Cold okay. reading's different. I went to uh, Malta a couple of years ago. Was it Malta? No, it was Rhodes in Greece. Anyway, I digress. And um, we went over and we got stung by the timeshare people and the the mm. anyway. And the woman was going on and on to me, and she said, uh, "What do you do in England?" I said, "I'm a psychic." She went, really? I went, yeah, I'm a psychic. She went, oh, right. I said, you had, a no you had an accident near water, a scare maybe, before you was 10. I'm getting 10 for some reason. Before you was 10, and she went, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you did. Have you got a scar on one of your knees? Yeah, I've got a scar on my left knee. I thought, yeah, I thought you did. Do you know what I mean? And, you, you know, you've been really, you've been, you've had some, you know, you've, you You've had some limelight, but you don't mind other people, and, you, and you've had a lot of close friends. You've, only got, you've got a lot of friends, but you've only got a certain amount of close ones. So everyone resonates with that. I like horoscopes. Everyone right. sort of, like, clings onto that. And, you know, there's, there's uh, all sorts of, you know, psychics and people say, oh, wow, fuck, they knew this. That drives me crazy. Yeah. I have a friend who believes that shit. He's, he went to something. He's like, man, they told me all about my grandmother. I'm like, bitch, don't you know about your grandmother? <laughs> They're telling you some shit you already know. What kind of psychic is that? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And I never understood it until we had this guy. Do you know who Banachek is? Yes. Uh, I had Banachek on the sci-fi show that yeah. I did. Joe Rogan questions everything. Yeah. He was brilliant yeah. and stunning and yeah. scary. Yeah. Like scary how good he is at it. Yeah. But also super honest. He's yeah. like, I'll tell you right now, I don't. I am not a psychic. Yeah. I don't have any psychic yeah. ability at all yeah. this is all bullshit yeah and i hate when people steal from people and rob them what yeah. i'm doing is entertainment and it's a show yeah. and i have very specific techniques that i use to achieve this yeah that's why i don't i can't think of anything else. that's why i can't that's why i don't fuck around when i mm -hmm. do hypnosis and oh, do this they know, right they no no well, no, he wasn't. Not the game, is it? He wasn't doing hypnosis. He was just pretending to be able to read your mind and be able to put it was all. But he was really, really clear about it, saying yeah. these are just techniques. Yeah. I am not really seeing anything that other people can't see. I don't have any special ability. But the people that do claim that, like. I don't know how it is in England, but in California in particular, you'll drive down the street and you'll see four them, or yeah. five of these fucking psychic yeah, readings. Chiropractors and that. There's loads of chiropractors as well. There's loads in America. It's chiropractic bullshit? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I'm not saying it is. There's the loads of thing? chiropractors. And I, you see that tarot, it, on, and you're driving on the street and chiropractors. You don't see that many in England. A lot of people think chiropractors are bullshit too. Mm. It's like a lot of reputable people think it's bullshit. Right. They're just moving your neck around. And it's click, like, click and click. I'm cured. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it costs a lot of money too. You go yeah. 150 bucks and they're just Get moving, twisted around. Popping your back. Right. But then some people say, like, there's certain things that chiropractors do that really are beneficial. Yeah. So the fuck do you believe? Yeah, I, the ones I've I've been to a couple of times, they wouldn't have been here. Cause mm -hmm. not been to, they've been good. So I felt all right afterwards. So. Well, there's this one guy that used to work with a lot of fighters, and he was what they call a zone healer. And his idea was that he was, like, sort of tricking your body into healing because he was sort of using the placebo effect, telling you that he was healing you by popping your your neck or moving your body in a certain way. But he really wasn't doing anything other than shit a normal chiropractor does. Is he still does. working? I don't know. I try not to. 
pay attention to that shit. That stuff drives me nuts because it's deception. Yeah. And whether or not it's effective or not yeah. is debatable because yeah. it, deception can be effective, right? Yeah. And isn't that sort of part of what? Yeah. You know what the placebo this is, effect exactly. is. Exactly. This is what this is what I'm against in in the hypnosis thing. Really, is is what the point I was trying to make is. I don't fuck around with people. Right. You know, they come for, to you for help. They genuinely want your help. They mm -hmm. genuinely want to get where they want to get to, and you can't fuck around with people. Right. It's not fair. They pay you, and they're looking for you to help them out. I buzz off it, because then you, you achieve something together. You know, mm -hmm. it's good. I like that. But, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of shit in everything, though, isn't there? There there's is. A lot of, there's a lot of crap. There's more shocking chefs than good ones, you know what I mean? And isn't that... There was also a lot. There's a lot of manipulation and a lot of charlatans mm -hmm. in almost every yeah. line of work, yeah. right? Yeah. But isn't that it's it's sort of it's re relative to what we're talking about. It's like what is your focus? Like what are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to achieve as a coach? Yeah. As a coach, you're trying to help people and make them better. What are you trying to achieve as whatever you're doing as a salesperson? Yeah. Are you trying to sell people something that's an actual great product, like a mm -hmm. really nice car? Yeah. Like this is a car. If you enjoy cars, you will enjoy this car. It's great. Or are you selling them a, a fucking shit box that's been taped together and it's going to fall apart the moment they get it out of the driveway? Mm. You know what is your ultimate goal? Are you trying to help people? Are you trying to have a beneficial, mutually agreeable relationship? Or are you trying to read their palm and get money out of them yeah. you fucking with them or aren't i amazing syndrome? yeah i'm fucking amazing like i never you know like the success that joe's had uh the joe success, Schilling. yeah and the success that many of my clients have had i don't go it was me mm -hmm. you know because it's all about the client they do it i right. like the i like winning and I, of course there's, there's some sort of pat on the back for myself by me but i don't run around and go i amazing because but is it a pat the on day, the back or is it just an appreciation for the the method <laughs> appreciation of the method and appreciate you know it doesn't stop shocking me how well it works at times you know well 99.9 .9 percent of the time it's just a shock even now even now that i've been involved in it eight years now it's just I don't know. It's just I don't know. I buzz off it. You can tell I buzz off it. Don't stop jumping yeah. around about it. How many years have you been doing it full time? Eight. eight full eight, time yeah. eight. No, I'm half and half. But um, training as well, training fighters. I, I was, and then I was training fighters. I got kind of bored of it. I was. I'd achieved what I wanted to. My fighters had reached a level. Um, I was getting bored, and I wasn't giving them the, the attention I should do. Mm. So I decided to stop that, and then uh, I had a regular job anyway, and then. Um, I just started to get mind coaching and word of mouth, like you got to know me through word of mouth, and then it's just spread from there, and and it continues to do so. So I, now I, that's I still full commentate. time. I still commentate as well. I commentate from Fusion and from Yokko, um, Muay Thai shows and Smash Muay Thai as well. It's in England, which is good shows, and I, I still do that. You know, I've done G, G, uh, GFC and you know different things like that. But I still commentate a lot for Yokko and Fusion and Smash Muay Thai, um, and just do that as well but i just i've got a lot of clients from america now which i'm up at stupid o'clock in the morning hmm. you know doing it on, on <laughs> skype but it's great yeah was there eight hour or ten hour yeah, difference between us something like that i don't mind something nutty. i buzz off it i genuinely buzz off it i love the i like it well that's great i mean that's really what life is all about finding something that you really enjoy that you get that buzz off yeah. of and pursuing that and if you can make a living well, you're that. the same aren't you? you you can tell you're animated by what you do
Yeah. Well, I'm just super lucky that yeah. I found a bunch of different things that yeah. I really enjoy doing. Like you're just this. At, that you're good at as well. Well, the, how about this? I mean, mm. the, the ability or the um, opportunity, rather, to have a conversation like this with yeah. a guy like you, sit down for hours, totally uninterrupted. It's very rare to get this. It's almost like the only way to get these kind of conversations yeah. is to have this kind of conversation where you know it's being broadcast. Because yeah. otherwise, we'd be checking our phone, we'd be talking. You know, do you want a beer? Do you want a this and that? Oh, this fucking guy is annoying, and this thing is happening to me. And Keep I saying gotta... part and parcel all the time. <laughs> you wouldn't. You know, you probably wouldn't do that. You wouldn't notice but, it. But you know what I mean? Like this is this the only way you have these intense one-on-one -on -one conversations is in a podcast form yeah. so in a lot of ways this podcast has been incredibly educational it's yeah. been like this like like a almost like a very varied university course mm -hmm. on a bunch of different disciplines it's, it's and like, interests what i appreciate is like you know when you said about mike mccullum and the left hook and i mm -hmm. like that you know and i went i went oh yeah i forgot about him and that. Mm. I, I like i'm not egotistical enough to think i know everything you know it's you know i don't there's a lot of them. I seen, like I said, a, a rapid induction course, and the guy was just like, he was doing this hypnosis gun, and he's going sleep, and this other guy was going, oh, fuck right. Off. But isn't that similar, like that fucking those bullshit kung fu guys? They're like, <laughs> yeah. like, ha, and their <laughs> students fall to that. the ground. I can do. That. Don't you think that's is that hypnosis too? What is going no, on with bullshit. that? <laughs> it is bullshit, the idiots. right? But it's the, just idiots. Is it just? I don't but think what's it's happening with the students? Because the pricks. The students, though, that yeah, are falling to the ground, they're, they're twitching. Yeah, yeah, but it's, they're just daft, aren't they? You but know, are they, or are they under I, the hypnosis power of suggestion? Nothing to do no? with Yeah, it's, you know, maybe it's a suggestion, or maybe it's just that they're not all there. There's like, like, mm. There is a lot of weird people about, isn't there, Joe? You know You're going to say idiots, that. and you went with I, weird. I, I like know, it. I, I kind of <laughs> switched it in the middle, changed the trajectory of the rocket that would have got me in trouble. That is the problem, right? Like, some people have big noses, and some people are idiots. Some people have got grey hair, some people haven't. Yeah, it's like the genetics vary. There's not everybody could be Einstein. No. No. And some people, you go, ha, and they fall to the ground. I mean, It'd be good, I've, though, wouldn't it? I've, I've seen some videos of fake kung fu, and it's fucking amazing. Like, there's this one dude, and uh, he was teaching this class, and he had this, this girl, and he was moving her back and forth and back and forth, like, like, like a comedy. Yeah. Like, it was a comedy, but it was real. And, and he, you know, he'd make her dance and shock her, and then she would fall to the ground, and she's... <laughs> Did you see, have you seen like the fish. recent one there that guy like gets his student, he's like a big bellied guy mm -hmm. with his gi on, and then she does this, <sighs> and he goes, give him an Oscar, that was a right performance, he just like flopped on the deck and his <sighs> arm flew in the air, that was proper funny, me and, because I'm here at the moment in America with Jordan Watson, who's a, like a superstar in Muay Thai, and we was watching it, we was pissing ourselves laughing, it was funny. Well, there's a lot of that out there, man, there's a lot of that fake kung fu stuff out there less and less now than there was in 1993 when the yeah. ufc came along that's one of the things that the ufc has done that's amazing is eradicate a lot of the bullshit martial arts yeah. there's a lot of fake practitioners out there and you know eddie bravo has this hilarious story of this fake kung fu teacher that he was taking uh, lessons under you know he's a young kid he didn't yeah. know any better and uh, the guy was going to china to study under his master and uh, he ran, Eddie ran into him at the supermarket when the guy was supposed to be in China. He's yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? And then he realized this guy isn't taking kung fu. He's just making shit up. Like, he, everything he was doing was just totally made up. You know, like he was karate chopping people on the top of the head and saying you'd kill them if you hit them correctly. Like, but 
it's that that sort of McDojo type fake martial arts stuff was really, really, really prevalent a few decades ago. Yeah, but I grew up with Drunken Master. Mm, Drunken yeah. Master and all them. And oh, yeah. All the uh, Run Run Shaw movies, you know, Golden Harvest. I mm -hmm. Well, those are fun to watch, to pretend. Yeah. You know, you watch an old Jackie Chan movie and yeah. he's fucking <laughs> and all that yeah. crazy shit, but. The, Drunken the, Master's the one. Yeah. He's beating him up with a tea towel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sam Seed. It's funny. Well, it's a comedy, it's, though. It seems funny. Yeah, but it's, it's still it's still, it's still there. And but, I tell you, I really like Police Story with Jackie Chan, the first one. Mm. That was good. That was wicked, that was. He's mad, Jackie Chan, isn't he? But a lot honest. of those movies had people believing that there were people out there that had chi and death touch and, you know? When, <laughs> when you want... I, I just... I mean, to bring it back to what you do, do you do you think there's any of that that's hypnosis? Is there anything that's similar to like what I said Frank Santos used to be able to do? Um, I don't know. Is it I, the, the honestly? I, I don't know. Devotion that they have towards their sensei or their their. Yeah, it's bananas, aren't they? Just believe just what fucking they, crazy. Yeah, they believe what he says. So there's like, oh yeah, he can do this. And but how is that different than a guy who thinks like I watched a guy who thought he was having sex with Madonna and he came in his pants, because Frank Santos put that in his head and he did right. that. I watched it. Yeah. And the guy was like, like he didn't know he came in his. I mean, this guy wasn't that good of an actor. He just yeah. wasn't. He was embarrassed. He didn't yeah. know what to do, and he kind of like slunked over and sat in the corner. If he was if he was a ham, he would have spent. It just was. You yeah. could tell this guy really believed yeah, it, that. Yeah, at that particular time where he was at that particular in that particular place, yeah, he did believe it. I mean, you've seen people with um, needles when they have need. You know, they have a needle through the hand and they, they don't mm -hmm. feel the pain. You can, yeah, you can do. You can do that. Um, there's an interesting one called Pain Paradigm, which I'll talk to you about another time. And, um, Ooh, anticipation. There you go. Next week, viewers. And um, these, you know, I mean, just yeah, there's there's all sorts of things that we, who knows what the mind's capable mm -hmm. of. We're only just, you know, I'm only a postman of information, really. I mean, what really can we do? What will he develop with? That's an interesting way to describe it. A postman of information. Yeah, that's what Keith Mayer, my first teacher, said. Mm. We're just postman of information. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I'm really fascinated by the, the full spectrum, for lack of a better term, of possibilities of suggestion that yeah. you can go from, you know, fake psychics and fake healers and like, <laughs> my friend Brian and I were at the comedy store last night. Did you see that? Were you there when you saw the woman was trying to do the Reiki healing on us? It was hilarious because I knew I was going to talk to you today, yeah. and I, I knew she was full of shit. Yeah. And she was, <laughs> or she probably thinks it's real, but she was yeah. like, "Can you feel the energy?" I'm, I'm like raving. Like she said, "Put your, put your left hand out because left hands are more sensitive, more susceptible." Like, yeah. okay. So I have my hand out, and she is like running her hand over the top and the bottom, like not touching my hand, but yeah. getting close to it. Like, do you feel it? Do you feel anything? And I'm like. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to be open-minded, yeah. but I don't feel anything. But some people would be like, "Yes, I do feel it's, it." I think it's what you want to believe, yeah. and I think uh, my beliefs, like like people that are psychics, and you go to see these tarot card readers, etc. If they give people comfort and make some pay people feel better, and you know, right, got more power to them. Right, more power. You know, to if them. they believe it half the time, if they they believe that this is Reiki, uh, I don't know, and then if they believe it and it works and people are happy doing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we might we might go. 
but it's you know. But where's the line drawn? Is the line drawn when you're taking money from them? There is piss takers in the world, aren't they? Piss take. Piss takers. What is? That? Um, you know, taking the piss. Well, okay, you guys just, are fucking with somebody. Yeah, fucking with someone. Yeah, okay. taking the piss. Yeah. Piss um, yeah, but but more so than that, someone who like is pretending to be healing, but they're stealing money from you. They're yeah. not really healing you. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's like anyone that sells a, I don't know, a vitamin that have this. Right, a snake oil. Snake oil, yeah, of right. course. A snake oil, oh, take this and you'll definitely change. But what about fucking the real placebo effect? That's where it gets really weird because, mm. like, there are some placebos that they have introduced to people and they've told them it's a placebo. Yeah. And then the, but the act of doing something, yeah. the act of taking something actually has a more beneficial effect than not doing anything. Yeah. Which is, again, the power of the mind. Like the placebo effect is a real effect. You give someone something, you tell them this is medicine. Mm. This is going to fix whatever ails yeah. you. And it actually does work yeah. on a certain percentage, a statistically significant percentage of the yeah. people Ambulance that actually work works. Ambulance work the same, don't they? Amul Amulets, Amulets, right. Like Amulets. crystals and shit. Yeah, Amulets work the same. Right. Like a lot of Thai people believe in, they put a butter on and it gives Or even good luck, right? A good luck coin. Yeah. I anything. got my lucky quarter. Oh, Dumbo, isn't it? You know, the, with the... The uh, feather, lucky feather. Right. You know, when he believes he can fly with the, the lucky feather, and it comes out. Right. All that, you know, the rest. Um, yeah, it's all. I think it's all down to you, isn't it? It's all down of what you put into your intention and what you want to believe for yourself. You know. But you isn't believe. it weird that we have these minds that have such amazing potential, yeah. but there's no fucking real good guidebook that anybody's handed, no. and you're sort of uh, supposed to figure it out on your own or based on if you're lucky, you have parents that have their shit together yeah. and they sort of give you a, a rough outline of how you should live your life yeah. or live by example. But we're not talking about like goldfish or swans or anything fucking simple mm. we're talking about human beings with complex languages and mathematics and culture and society and laws yeah. and 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 money and all the, the weirdness that mm. comes with being a person and good in it, it yeah it's good though it is that's why it's so exciting well that is how you exciting. know yeah six assignment from a bloodline of merlin and sherlock yes and merlin holmes there you go sounds like real estate but that's i, I just like that mm -hmm. I, I just i like that i like the mystery I do too. I like them. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you, I can see you probably think, I like that. That's interesting. And that's what keeps you, keeps you going in life, I think. When you find something interesting and you, mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, it's always better to be interest, uh, interested instead of interesting. Oh, yeah. You know? For sure. I mean, that's one of the things that I appreciate most about being able to do this podcast is that I'm constantly and consistently inspired and curious. I'm always learning. Like, there's no, you just, you can't know everything. It is yeah. not possible. There is too much going on. Yeah. And once you accept that, then you're just looking for stuff that you find stimulating. Yeah. And then find more and more things that you find fascinating. Yeah. And this podcast has given me this really unique opportunity to talk to people like oh, you, you or you know anybody who has some information that I'm not really aware I'm, of. I'm pro massively honored to be on air because you know I'm from. I'm just from Liverpool. I'm, I'm from Newton. Yeah, I know, but you know, I'm just like you know. But you know, but he's <laughs> coming in there, and then Joe says so nice things. Ian McCall says nice things, mm -hmm. and I get to do seminars and get to meet people, and I love it. I'm, I'm just buzzing off it at the moment. Well, that's what life love is all about, really, is finding something like that that mm -hmm. you really enjoy doing, and then yeah. pursuing it, and then if you can, God, if you can make a living doing that, what a what a great way to be, you yeah. know? Yeah, I like people. I like you. Know, you 
No, I like people. Like I don't take everyone on as a client because some people just think no, right? No, you best go somewhere else. Have you had like people that are like shitty or just not appreciative? I kind or... of suss them out quickly. Do you try to explain to them why you're not doing this and maybe you give them like some? Uh, yeah, I do, help I, I, for the I, future. I, yeah, I just. Yeah, I just just say, well, I can't, or I'm busy, or just the normal stuff, and you know, or depends on what it is. It's not often. I'll be honest with you. It's not often that mm -hmm. happens, but um, yeah, it does happen. I just kind of deter them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one guy saying it was one guy recently. He's like, yeah, uh, everyone in my team thinks I'm rubbish. I can't fight, and I can't talk to you now. My wife's in bed, and just like, oh, I don't. Yeah, all right. You know, just loads of things right. in this way. You have to start now. That's too much work. Like, if you can't... Yeah. yeah too much hassle. No sovereignty. Uh, it's too much hassle. Yeah. But I like underdogs triumphing. I, I like that. They run out of gym. I had, you know, people that win, didn't win fights under other gyms, and they won under me. I like that. Mm. It's, 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 it's just good to, I don't know, just give them that buzz, and you, you feel good about yourself. Think, yes. I've achieved something that other people didn't. I like that. Right. Yeah, the ability to help people and the, the, the satisfaction that comes from other people benefiting from your effort yeah. is a very nice thing. Yeah, I had a, a lady that's an uh, equestrian lady called Donna Tainter at the minute. She's, I forgot where she is, somewhere in the States, and she's doing really well. It's just, she's, the transformation has been incredible, and she's, you know, all her students are so much better. Her sponsors are, like, really warming to her. She's riding better and stuff like that, and it's just moving things out of people's way. It's kicking it out. All right. So if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way? Um, your Twitter handle is Vinny Shorman. What is it? What is Vinny it? Showtime Show 69. The reason why it's called Showtime, it's not perverted in 69. Showtime is I used to be a commentator for it. Showtime. For sh it's Showtime. And 69 was the year I was born. So. Oh. No, yeah. Nothing perverted That's there. a problem, right? That's Isn't nice. it? That yeah. number, 69. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to change that, I think. Well, it's a, a lot of great cars from 1969. <laughs> yeah. And it's that when way. they landed on the moon. Yeah, um, and you can get me on uh, vinnyshorman.com and also you can get me on Facebook. There's a, there's a uh, Facebook a mind coaching page where there's techniques and videos, uh, withdrawal techniques and all sorts of stuff. Beautiful. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate Thank this, you, man. Joe, really Let's do this again it. sometime. How Anytime. often are you in uh, California? I'll be back very soon because Liam Harrison's fighting uh, Malai Pet and Andy Housen's fighting Romeo Danza and I'm coming over with them. When is that? Um, July the 31st, the fight is, so I'll be over before. Where's that taking place? Um, I'm not too sure. It's somewhere in California? In, somewhere in Cali, yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. maybe I'll go to the fights. Oh, I'd like to that see that. That sounds awesome. Right. That'd be great. Beautiful. Thank you, Vinny. Really, really appreciate it. That Thank you fun. very much, you need Cheers. All right, friends, uh, we'll be back next week. Lots of uh, great and entertaining guests. Not as entertaining as this motherfucker, but we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> see you soon.